LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, every Tuesday morning in London town. Thank God it's raining. I love it when it rains. I love it when it rains. It's great. All the delivery drivers like it as well because it keeps all the oiks off the street and uh, keeps them in, indoors, which is fantastic. So what it means is people can get around, there's not too much traffic, and uh, all the people selling all that rubbish food that they sell at Piccadilly Circus sit there with empty shops, which I'm very happy about at this time. It just keeps everybody off the street. So the more it rains, the happier I am. The happier I am that people enter the competition. Had a very good winner yesterday from Dollis Hill, surprisingly. We were only talking about Dollis Hill the other day, and lo and behold, we have a winner in Dollis Hill. So I'll tell you about him in a moment, uh, Neil watched the programme on Liberty last night, uh, which is the, it looks behind the uh, the scenes at stocking up and and selling all these items. One lady bought some sample tree decorations to try on her eleven foot tree. Cost three hundred and fifty quid. He said they've got some lovely items. Uh, I think I might pop in there to get Mrs Lorraine a few little bits and pieces. It's quite a nice shop, actually, but it's the campest place you've ever seen under the sun. I mean, dear God in heaven, it's a veritable fairyland, and that's just the staff. Richard E. Grant has made his own unisex perfume. Apparently, if during the year you spend 40 grand in the shop, you get a £700 free Christmas hamper. 40 grand. It's, well, it's like doing air miles. A friend of mine's just booked a holiday next year. And uh, they only had to pay 200 quid for two of them because they've got so many air miles. Because what they do, they put it all on their American Express card, the whole thing. They do all their shopping, petrol, everything on the American Express card, and they then get the, they then get all these air miles. So they've done really well out of it. I still remember, says Neil, my lovely mum taking my brother and I up to London to see their fantastic Christmas window displays. Funny how things jog the brain. Yeah, can you imagine in the days, well, you can remember in the days when you would come up to London... And you would go through, and you'd, you'd stand in front of the shop windows looking at all the, all the things that were going on in the windows, the animated things. We need to get the uh, text up. OK, 84850, steve at uk. It's interesting, the, the Daily Mirror, I've got a story running on the front page, and they've obviously been, been following him for some time. And this is a Tory peer. This is uh, Lord Hanningfield. It was a bit of a slippery customer. What they do, the, um, I don't know if you're aware of the, in the House of Lords, they get £300 a day. All they have to do is turn up. The idea is that they turn up and they do some work. Uh, this lazy so-and-so doesn't do anything at all. What he does, I mean, they've actually, they've obviously filmed him over a period of time. And they've clocked him to see how long he spends at the House of Lords to claim his money. Does he spend three hours, four hours, six hours? No, no, no. Minutes. Minutes on the front page. He arrives at 14.36 at the station. 14.36, remember. At two minutes past three, he's off out again. He's collected his £300. And they've literally got him over, over a month. The average time he spends is 36 minutes. I mean, he really is just absolutely pushing it as much. Although, he said to them, when he, when he was confronted by the mirror, I mean, he's an old man, perhaps he needs the money, I don't know. Uh, he said, there's loads of other people doing it. He said, I know 50 other lords doing that, 50 that I could name. He's quite defiant. I mean, he's, he's quite clearly shameless about claiming the money. I mean, don't, I don't think he really bothers about, about the fact... Because it's only 300 quid, isn't it? You get more if you're a tube driver over Christmas. So 300 quid for a peer here, and he knows other people. But the trouble is, it's because he's been caught with his hands in the till. 
So when he turns round, little, you know, what, what he's done is, he's, you know, he's grasped all these other people up. I know 50 other lords doing it, 50 I could name. Well, we're not interested in them, because they happen to have caught you. And that's why he is a lord a-leeching, as they've, uh, they've said on the front page of the paper today. Which I quite like. I mean, it's, you know, if they're that daft within the House of Lords and they don't bother clocking them in and out, in and out. I used to do it years ago at LBC. It's, it's an old custom and practice. I remember I used to do the overnight programme at the weekend... And I've, I've told people this because it happened about 30 years ago. And, uh, <clears throat> and the guy who used to do it before said to me, he said, right, you're on air three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He said, but you have what, what they call a production day. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, you come in, he said, and then you prepare stuff for the weekend. I went, oh, that's a good idea. He said, but what you do really, he said, you come in, he said, at nine o'clock in the morning. He said, you walk the entire building, you say hello to as many people as possible, and then you go home. He said, you claim your daily rate. I said, oh, right. I said, what, what happens if somebody finds out? He said, they won't, because somebody would say, did you see Steve Allen in today? And they said, yeah, I spoke to him a moment ago. And that's how it worked. And so I used to do that. I would come in. I would sort of say hello. To, I would say hello to about 30 people in the building. Hello. And they'd go, hi, Steve. I'd go, hi. I'd walk out the building, go back to the station, go back home again. Custom and practice. They used to say in Fleet Street... And, of course, it's, it's, it's ironic that the mirror does this and exposes him because he's in there for a few minutes. You know, who knows, he might be really active or doing his work on a laptop on the train, I don't know. But journalists could double their salary by fiddling their expenses. I can name you a journalist now who was at TVAM and managed to rack up 60 grand in expenses over one particular story. £60,000. You think it's a joke. I promise you it wasn't. They used to have such a tight union down at TVAM that the engineers uh, and the electricians down there were on a fortune. We had the same at LBC because it was a union, union controlled. What they used to do is they used to say that if you were called out, so say somebody went sick, say one of the engineers who was driving a programme went sick and they called somebody out. If it's within three hours, it was worth so much money. If it was within two... So what they would do, they'd, they, they, they would phone them and say, listen, we're going to phone you later on and ask you to come in and do a shift. they go, OK. And then they would leave it until it was like an hour away from the shift start time, and then they'd phone somebody in. And that meant that they got three times their normal daily rate. Everybody was at it. It was... It was I mean, the, I mean the, the culture of expenses was phenomenal. You could literally double your salary by filling in your expenses. It was... You, you would go out for lunch... Or, I mean, I remember one, one reporter years and years ago, and he would sit down and he would spend a whole shift fiddling his expenses. And he would go, he'd, he'd say to me, Steve, how much do you think a taxi is up to Heathrow Airport? And in those days, it was about £36. And I said, oh, I think it's about 36 quid." He'd go, right. And so he'd go, £36 that way. 30, what, do he, what do he used to do? He used to take the train. So, and everybody used to do it. And the taxis would give you, you know, if ever you took a taxi, they just give you blank things. You fill them in yourself. You know, normally get out, if you were doing it on expense, you'd say, can I have a receipt? Well, they'd just, oh, fill it in yourself, mate. It didn't make any difference to them. It was just a taxi receipt. But I knew one reporter has his own taxi receipt book. And he would fill it in. And then the, and he would staple it on. And the management would look at it. And then they'd throw all his expenses back. So he'd spend another three hours rearranging them. And eventually they would put them through. It was custom and practice. So it's a little bit. A little bit mean-spirited the Mirror to go, he's a, he's a leeching. Because I should imagine most of the reporters on the Mirror over some period, and all the other newspapers, will have actually fiddled their expenses. You go out for dinner with somebody, you put it through on expenses. That's how it works. That's how it works. 84850, uk. We weave everything in on the programme. I was going to tell you the weather, but there's no point, really. Because you know it's raining outside, so it doesn't actually make any difference at all. Uh, Mr Warrington Senior has a very happy birthday. 
an 80th today. And then Duncan was talking about tipping, which is my big bugbear. I want to know why, and we've, we've had this argument over the years, and we don't, I don't seem to get any answers to it. You tip a taxi driver, OK? You tip a taxi driver. Uh, you don't tip a minicab driver. You don't tip the bus driver. You don't tip the train driver. Why do we not tip the train driver? Do you think the train driver goes, sorry? And you go, and there's a pound for yourself for that journey. You don't do that. Nobody ever tips train drivers. You don't tip the person in the supermarket. Why do we tip a hairdresser? The reason you tip a hairdresser is because you think that they've done a good job and they've made you look fantastic and gorgeous. And you tip the girl who washes your hair because you know she earns peanuts. But we don't tip the postman anymore. We don't tip the milkman. Well, I mean, Kevin has probably got a few people that tip him. And you don't tip... Who else don't you tip? You don't tip the dustbin men. If anything, you try and avoid them. You try and hide... Oh, God, the dustbin men are around again. Quick, hide. Hide. Oh, sorry, they've gone. They've gone. That's fine. That's fine. You don't tip the DHL man. You don't tip uh, any of Parcel Force. You don't tip any of these people. And yet you tip a taxi driver. Who's, who's, who's really got quite a nice little living going on there. It can't be bad. There can't be many on under 40k a year. You watch that. I always get some going that one. They would be, oh, I can't believe you just said it. My husband's out here all the airs of the day and night. Comes home, we've barely got enough to feed me and the 12 kids. They always moan about it. They never look happy, and yet you think they're in a nice little cash business. But you tip them. Why? They're doing their job. You don't tip the bus driver. He's doing his job as well. I don't quite understand it. If you actually sort of, you know, got in the back of a cab and the, and the driver came around, ripped all his clothes off and made mad, passionate love to you, then I can understand tipping. But frankly, the way it stands at the moment, you're not even getting a snog. So what's the point? You know, if, if you got in the back of the cab and you went, do you know, today, Steve, it's your lucky day. I've cooked your meal. And you go, oh, that's nice. Did you tip? But the rest of the time, why do we tip? It's gone out, hasn't it? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I was, I'm going round to the doctors later on to deliver some chocolates. Because it turns out that my doctor's retiring. Outrageous, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely outrageous. And you think, well, I don't tip them. The doctor said, I just give them some boxes of chocolates because all the ladies like like chocolates in there. But I don't I don't go into, you know, Starbucks and go and, you know, and have a tip. I just I don't do things like that. It's odd, isn't it? Really? The things that we tip and the things that we don't tip. You know, you don't even tip the paper boy, do you? Do you tip the paper boy? Do you even see the paper boy now? Poor little soul's there with his bad back and his tablets and his medication, struggling round in the weather, you know, carrying these huge sacks. Because everybody goes, oh, we'll have a complete set of papers. And the paper boy's going, you bloody... You know, because they hate it, because it's... But they earn a little bit of money. And they get a little bit of a tip, do they? Would you like a chocolate biscuit or something? You know, gone are those days. It's like Bob a Job. You know, when the scouts used to come around and go, Bob a Job, you get your old house painted for a shilling. I mean, that was well worth it. They seemed quite grateful at the time. Nowadays, you don't do that. You know, A, I don't think they come round and do Bob a job anymore. And B, it's like trick-or-treating. The parents have got to go with them at the same time. No snow, by the way, for Christmas, changing the subject very quickly. They've said it's just going to be wet and windy. So kind of look on today as an example of what it's going to be like come the festive day, which is great. Uh, we used to tip the postie. But then, as Noreen says, we never had the same postie two days running. We long abandoned the paper boy. Many years ago, I was the manager of a Crown Post Office, 100 yards from where Brian and I first saw you, Radlett. And the tips the staff got, chockies, drinks, biscuits, fresh cream liqueurs with our name piped on the top, and we all got a beautiful Christmas cake each. Those were the days. You're so right. They were the days. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past four. Nick Ferrari this morning as the Government Airport's Commissioner publishes his recommendations on increased capacity. capacity. Nick will be getting reaction from Boris Johnson, plus his Cameron Wright... Has the mission been accomplished in Afghanistan? 
And how can we possibly justify any more fire strikes? Looking at the papers today with Nick Ferrari, Mark Dolan, the TV presenter, will be in the studio. I was shocked, says Martin, and disgusted at the amount of swearing, homophobic and sexist comments made at the British Comedy Awards last Saturday. Also, if Jack Whitehall is the funniest man in the UK, it goes to show what a lack of talent we have in the country. I totally agree. I think he is, he's sort of their flavour of the month. They obviously want to groom him for something, but him and his dreary father, I wish they'd fall off the end of South End Pier. He's just not funny. He's sort of a little posh boy, and they think, OK, this is kind of, you know, like radical kind of stuff. Uh, let's put him on there and stick his boring old father on. Nothing worse than a dreary pensioner. And God knows this man is a dreary pensioner. So they've given them this little chat show, which is neither funny nor interesting. Jack Whitehall appears to be everywhere. In fact, one of the TV critics has said he appears to be everywhere, perhaps hopefully for not much longer. Which is, the, which is the best way. I love the story in the paper today, though. And I agree with you, incidentally, about the swearing. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, some of, the, uh, some, of, some of the swearing, just absolutely appalling. And, and, they th- and they think that's funny. It shows a lack of, of intellect, really. And it was just awful. And I thought the worst thing, not, not the, the swearing, because I hear it on the train from these kids every morning, going to the posh school, like, OK, yeah, you know, and then using the F word. You know, with adults present. I mean, it got so close yesterday, we nearly, I nearly stood up and said, can you not think of any other words? Are you so illiterate that that's the best you can come up with using four-letter language on the train in front of women and children? They're so stupid, these kids. They really are. As I say, it's, it's, it's borderline reporting them to the headmaster, and then they get disciplined, then they get thrown out of school and expelled, and that'll be good. I'd be happy with that. That would make me very happy. Uh, weather for today... Wet. Okay, that's all you need to know. It's going to be wet for today. But here is the story of a chef. Now, this this might ring a bell with somebody listening at the moment. I don't know. So he works in this place called the Plough. Uh, it's a uh, it's a gastro pub. He's been working since uh, October, so he's not been there very long. October, November, December. He's been about three months. I don't know how good he is. I'm not even interested. <coughs> I'm just interested in the fact that uh, he said, I want Christmas Day off. And they went, it's our busiest day. You're a chef. You know, that's th- that's what you're in the business of. You're in the business of food. It's the busiest day. We're fully booked. We've got loads of people. I want it off. And they went, well, you can't have it off. And he said, well, that's it. And they said, all right, well, you're fired then. You know, we'll, we'll find another chef. Get another chef in. That's great. Oh, sorry. That, that's great. So off, so off, off he toddles. Oh, no, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't just... Bear in mind, he's only been there. You can understand he's been there for years. In which case, he would understand how Christmas works. It's sometimes unfair. It's sometimes a little bit inconvenient. It's sometimes you've got to put yourself out. Unfortunately, Jim Knight is a bit of a prat. Because he said, I want... He's only been there for three months, and he wants the Christmas day off. In a gastro pub that is fully booked. So he goes onto their website... And he starts tweeting, saying that, uh, oh, they buy all their meat from Asda and they inflate the prices and they do this and they do that. And, of course, the pub have gone, what? We do buy stuff from Asda. The meat is locally sourced. Uh, this is outrageous and untrue. Uh, he says, the, 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 the owners have said, the, the, the pub is transparent. You can see exactly where all the stuff comes from. Now, I have to be honest with you. I think this has to be the stupidest chef in the entire world. It's Christmas He's only been there since October, so he's obviously not particularly versed with the way that things work. If the management say to me, come, you know, and they, they do ask a long time in advance. They say, you know, anybody are free for working over Christmas? Yeah, loads of people want to work over Christmas. Makes no difference to me. 
different if I was working in the afternoon, that would then screw up Christmas. But because I'm doing breakfast, uh, it's it's easy peasy. You just do the thing, go home, go off and have Christmas. I've got Boxing Day off, which is great, and then come back in. So it's all, it's all very easy. So this guy, you know, starts being really nasty. If I was this company, I'd have him in court so fast. Defamation. Defamation. It's the only way. He said he wanted to spend the festive period with his seven-month-old girl. Well, don't go into catering. Don't go into catering. You've got to put yourself out. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. He claimed the prolific description of let this be a lesson to bad catering employers on his own Twitter page. He comes from High Wycombe, and he said he'd set up the Plows account while he was still at the pub in Great Haisley. He says, I've not hacked any account. I created it with permission of my ex-employers. The landlord says, who's Steve Potts, when Jim informed me he'd not be working Christmas Day and Sundays in the near future, I was left with little choice. Sundays are our busiest days. All our chefs work that day. I mean, the man's an idiot. A complete idiot. You know, that's, that's catering. If, 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 if I say to my boss, just supposing I say to my boss now, I don't want to work Christmas Day, he's going to go, oh, well, we've already, we've already put you in. There's nobody else to cover for it, and it's a bit short notice. And I go, OK, fair enough. If I was ill, if I was genuinely ill, then my boss would bend over backwards, as indeed I'm sure he's capable of. But, I, you know, that would be the thing that you would do. you bend over backwards to accommodate people. Not somebody who's only been there since October. I'd quite like to see this man's work record. If he's just worked lots of places for a short amount of time, then you'd be slightly worried. Talking about slightly worried, I said the other day we went to Winter Wonderland. And we went on a few rides. They're quite scary. They are, they are really... The roller coaster there is very scary. I mean, even scarier than you can imagine. Because you're in a little carriage, and the only thing that's holding you in is a bar, which apparently is meant to sort of come down... crushes your nether region, something... But anyway, that's the thing holding you in. So you go round, and they get you in as fast as... This thing's still moving when you're getting in it. So you get in... Now, normally on roller coasters, you've seen them before in America, they go slowly, 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 up the thing. Not this one. Shoots you right to the top as fast as you could ever go. I've never been in a roller coaster so far. You get to the top, and there you are. You're exposed to the elements. There's no guide rails, there's no safe, there's no nothing. And this little carriage, there were three of us in it, and frankly, we all screamed. You go round and literally... they've devised it so the front of the carriage looks as if it's going to drop over the edge and then of course it spins round again and it does that and then you just drop like a stone it was the most horrendous experience I've ever had but the worst ride there is the one that I think not in any way shape or form any amount of money you're going to get me up on it and it is called the Star Flyer and what it is it's a big tower with what we used to call it in the old days a cheroplane and you would sit in your seat with a little bar across it, and you would go round and round. Not this one. This one goes 200 feet up in the air, and you're still spinning round. I've watched it, and I've thought, that is an accident waiting to happen. And blow me down, it did. Some woman gets on it in Edinburgh, 200 feet above the ground. The seat drops away. The seat falls from underneath her. She's clinging to the ropes. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this thing. It's blooming frightening at the best of times. They used to have one over on the South Bank. They had it there last year, and it was there for quite a while, and they've got one at Winter Wonderland here in London. And I think the Winter Wonderland one that they've got up in Edinburgh, this woman, there were two of them. There was no no back left. I was sure I was going to die. Well, that's the thing that frightens the life out of me. Absolutely. So she's clinging to this rope. Anyway, two minutes, they they managed to get it down. Uh, Luckily, nobody was injured when the seat fell, because people stand there gawping, go, oh, seat falling quick, move out of the way. The ride bosses offered to repair her phone, 
which was damaged, and they refunded her the £7.50. Oh, big deal. But as she said, nobody was remotely concerned. I'd have been frightened out of my life. Frightened out of my life. This, uh, this ride was closed for maintenance earlier in the day. The spokesman said the incident was unrelated to the maintenance. So, in other words, they did the maintenance, but they didn't work out the fact her seat was going to collapse. Unbelievable, isn't it? 200 feet up. Oh, dear me. So bad. So bad. So frightening. So very, very frightening. So very, very frightening. It's going to put you off for life, isn't it? Uh, 8485. I seem to remember Lord, Lord Hannifield, says Wynne. He was one of the lords previously punished for another serious expense or serious misdemeanor. Yes, he was. Yes, he has. He has previous, as they say. He's in the he's in the papers today. I mean, he, he's making about six grand a month on this. Just turn up for a few minutes and then then disappear off. I mean, they, they, they've said here he's now facing a parliamentary probe. So he earns fourteen pounds a minute. It's not. He's a former pig farmer, but he was sentenced to nine months in jail. You remember for fiddling his expenses. So he's quite clearly a, a bit of a, a bit of an idiot. But they've got him now, banged to rights. Whether or not anything happens, I've got no idea. Can they kick you out after a while? I suppose they can, can't they? Uh, eight, eight for eight, eight for eight, five, eight. Three hundred pounds a day, fifteen hundred pounds a week. Um, yeah, yes, it's about uh, six thousand pound a month, five thousand seven hundred. I think they've worked it out. That's what they get in expenses just for turning up. It's not bad, is it? Debbie says in French France, a oui. week. The postman, the bin men, the fireman, and anybody else trying to make a quick euro comes round to the door selling calendars. You don't have a choice but to buy one, generally about five euros. They all sell calendars, and they're all rubbish and go directly into recycling. The firemen make a note of what's given. I don't understand this French obsession with calendars. How many calendars does one house need? Well, over here, it's quite ironic, as the firemen are being called out again on strike. Uh, there's a group of firemen up north, I think, they produce one of these girly calendar things. It's where, you know, so-called hunky firemen strip off and show you their finely toned body. Unfortunately, the majority of firemen are really unattractive. Very, very unattractive. It's only the, the few that they manage to get for the calendar. So they're selling that calendar at the moment. It's become the latest thing. Rowing clubs do it. The Women's Institute do it. Loads of, the only people who don't do it are us at LBC. It's only because, you know, I did moot some years ago that we did do a nude calendar. And we could all, all of us, hide behind Nick Ferrari. You know, that'd be quite a good idea. He could just sort of stand there, start naked with a small bit of mistletoe. A very, very small bit of mistletoe. And we could all hide behind him going, boo, or something like that for a, for a calendar. Would work, wouldn't it? I think so. Uh, Blue says, we tip people with whom we have personal interactions Yes, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I've parked the car before at London hotels, and I do tip, because they let me park my car in the, in the foyer of some London hotels, like the Savoy and places like that. Oh, bless, look. You get a mince pie for this service, Rupert. And, um, and so I, I give them money. How much money depends on how I'm feeling. Uh, so it could... Oh, bless, thank you. Look at this, honestly. I'm so sorry. Mince pie. <laughs> it's like a reward system, isn't it, really? I was watching somebody playing with horses the other day. I quite like horses, but they do frighten me a little bit. You know, they look as though, when, when they... Because I used to feed horses, they say, hold your hand flat for the sugar lump. And you sort of hold it, you think, it's going to eat my hand, it's going to eat my hand. I can just tell. It's awful. Anyway, if you have just joined us, it's LBC. We'll have the 
competition in a moment. It's a nice one for today. It's, a nice, it's actually been a good one since we've started. But uh, let me remind you very quickly, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. And it's fourth... Morning, everybody. Uh, somebody says, you drive a cab for a few hours, you won't last a day. Don't be so stupid. Anybody can sit behind the wheel of a car. It's not difficult. Train chimpanzee you can do it. I've seen him in the circus. Uh, I take it any future employer, Steve, will think hard before they take this idiot chef on. I should imagine they'll take him on a tour now. I mean, I, I can understand it. If this, uh, this chef had been there for, for years, if he'd been there for, for maybe ten years, and he said, I want Christmas off this year, i worked every other Christmas, and they then go, yeah, you're right, you have, you can have Christmas off. He's only been there since October, and already he's laying down the law. Idiot. Absolute idiot. So uh, he's actually gone, which is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, another one here. Says a lot of my, oh, this is um, Kevin who says, a lot of my tips are down to the fact that I've been on this round for donkey's years. And it's become traditional to tip certain tradesmen who are a regular part of the community in some areas around Shoreditch. I started delivering in 1983, so a few years under the belt now. And between Stepney, Shoreditch and Whitechapel, I'm now classed as fixtures and fittings. <laughs> That's all right, isn't it? There's nothing about being classed as fixtures and uh, fittings. That's OK. Somebody says, I can remember the day, Steve when uh, Dustman would knock at the door for the Christmas box. Oh, I don't remember that. Somebody used to knock at the door, and I can't remember. Was it the milkman? See, the milkman you would see in the morning, because you'd go, we'll have an extra pint for Christmas Day. But as, as, as milkmen really are dying out a little bit, I mean, Kevin's, Kevin's quite unique, and a couple of other milkmen that we have, but he's, he's actually quite unique, because people go to the supermarket now and buy milk, whereas in the early days, when there was no traffic on the road, ha, happy days, um... You would have your milk delivered, and so you'd say, well, an extra pint tomorrow, and there's, you know, there's your Christmas box. And I can't remember, for the life of me, how much you're supposed to tip somebody at Christmas. I don't know, I mean, you know, would, would you give somebody a tenner? Obviously not a tenner. OK, would you give somebody a fiver? Seems a bit mean, a fiver, doesn't it? Tenner seems too much. If you're, a, if you're a pensioner, you can't afford to start tipping that sort of money. I mean, how much would I tip for them looking after my car? Probably 20 quid. Probably 20 quid. I would think that, that that would be worth it. Because you put it in a car park now in London. In fact, you've only got to put it on a metre in Covent Garden. That's £16 for three hours. And so it's worth 20 quid for me to park it at the Savoy. And they, I just give them the key and they, they look after it. It sits there. They like having a nice car on their forecourt. You know, if you're going to turn up with a Cinquecento, they're not going to be welcoming you with open arms. Put it that way. Uh, I watched Jeremy Kyle yesterday. Have you noticed the people that he talks, he, they don't realise he's taking the mickey out of them. They don't realise. When he sits there with these toothless old hags who've got themselves pregnant with these blokes with cut hair stamped up their neck, he does, they're, they're, they're too stupid to realise that he's taking the mickey out of them. When he goes, listen, you're a really nice woman and you're right. And I'm thinking, he's taking the mickey. And they don't know. They're too dumb to realise. I mean, it, it, it is, in fact, you know, quite, quite worrying. I watched him yesterday with some bloke with the tattoos up his neck, class act, and uh, the mother, who was as fat as you... I mean, honestly, this woman must have been just eaten chips for her entire life. That's all she must have eaten. And um, and then they had two other... I think there were two sisters on there. And he's very he's very clever. He plays that game and goes, listen, you're so right. You said something earlier on. Of course, they're so stupid. They don't, really, they don't know what he's talking about. He's taking the mickey out of them. Because he, 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 he's king of the chavs. He likes all these people the programme because they apparently make a good programme. I can't watch. I can't watch. I have to turn it off. You know, it's, it's you know, I mean, if, if you get all these chavs on the television, well, at least it means they're not out on the rob, so that's, that's a, I suppose, a start, isn't it? But they are worrying. They sit there and they say, you got me pregnant, you nicked... One of them yesterday, who nicked our Christmas dinner? 
I mean, God in heaven, judging by the size of these people, quite clearly nobody. We had Christmas lunch at South Lodge Country House Hotel in Horsham. The food was exceptional, cooked by Stephen Edwards, MasterChef winner 2013. And Lawrence says there's a lorry on fire on the A13 London bound at Lakeside. I should get Andy to check that when he comes. He's probably on, his, on the phone at the moment. I should imagine checking it out. You can get air miles with Tesco Club points. It's quite a good idea, isn't it? I never, um, I never really bothered about about air miles. It was one of those. I've got a friend of mine who literally lives on air miles. She's got something like eighty thousand air miles. It seems like a heck of a lot to me. It means you can, I suppose, get your holiday an awful lot cheaper. Oh, the old canoe man, fraudster. Back on the front of the sun this morning. This is John Darwin. What a buffoon he is, honestly. Proof of the fact that the older some people get, the more stupid they become. He flew back into Britain. He was held at the airport for breaching his parole by jetting to Ukraine to woo some old woman who sold the story. She, he, he found her on a website, but in, U- in Ukraine, that's not actually something too unusual. That's how, you know, they're, they're looking for somebody rich. There's a very good book out. I wish I could remember the title of it. Uh, my uh, former producer, man, Amanda, said, you've got to read this book. In fact, she bought it for me. And it's a series of um, emails, backwards and forwards, you know. I'm a beautiful blonde girl. I want to meet, uh, you know, nice men in London, all this kind of thing. They're not really. They're, they're generally Nigerian fraudsters. And what this guy did, he then wrote back to them, pretending to be interested, going, yeah, I'm really interested. You sound gorgeous, you know. And they post a picture and, of themselves on the website. And he would keep it going for ages. And then would come the sting. And the sting is on all of these email things. They would say... Um, I'd love to come and visit you in the UK, but I need medicine for my mother. And if I'm going to be away from it, could you send me some money? So he'd write back and go, yeah, no problem at all. You know, just tell me where to send it to. And so they'd say, send it to this post office box number in Nigeria. And we will then, you know, then I shall come and see you, my darling. I'm missing you and all the rest of it. And of course, all the time, it's a Nigerian fraudster. That's, that's how it works. They all sit in a room and, and they pretend to be voluptuous women from the Ukraine. Delete this at your peril. Anyway, it goes all the way through, and they're going, I still haven't received the money. I still haven't received the money. And he'd go, oh, it's, it's definitely on the way. Anyway, send me another naughty picture of yourself. And of course, it's, it's, so this goes on. In the end, they realise that they've been duped. But what he's done, he's, he's copied all, the, all these emails backwards and forwards. And it's so easy, because we've, we've looked at people before being confused by emails. I mean, for some reason, I used to get emails from, say, Russian girls in my area want to meet me. I can't imagine why. I don't want to meet them. Why would they want to meet me? And then there were other ones which were appertaining to the size of your appendage, where they were offered to sort of increase the size of it. I thought, well, this is going to be a miracle, isn't it? I can remember one time somebody saying there's a, there's a vicar on the radio and he's, he's, he's promising to heal, you know, things. You know, and so what you had to do is lay whatever you wanted to heal on the radio. And I believe my auntie Enid and my, and my uncle Wilf were sort of at this one. And uncle Wilf was about to lay... And my auntie Enid said to him, listen... He's trying to heal the living, not raise the dead. There was no point at all in putting anything on there at all. But they do this, and you read these emails online, and people get fooled by it. People send money. They really believe that this is a genuine person the other end. They genuinely believe that somebody wants to go out with them. We've had no end of cases of poor women who've become like Shirley Valentine's. They've gone abroad, they've been to the Gambia or whatever, and they've met somebody on a beach who loves them, and, oh, you're beautiful, and all the rest. Then they bring back to this country. They just want them so they can get residency. That's all it comes down to. Very few of them ever survive. Do you remember there was that woman in the paper? She met her her man, and he he lived in a hut. He lived in a mud hut. So she brings him back to this country. Poor wizened old person. 
And she parades him around on television. And he's sitting there in national costume. He's prepared to go the extra mile on this one because at the end of the day, it's, it's worth it for him. Because if, you, if you've got nothing at home, you might as well go for anything. And it's just awful <coughs> because people just get taken advantage of. And you see it all the time. There is barely a day goes by. You see people on the television. We did explain to my father, you know, that this was people ripping him off. There is no mystery lottery win. There is nothing. They're not going to send it round on a bike for you after you've sent them 200 pounds. That doesn't exist. If you've not entered a lottery, you haven't won anything. No such thing as a free lunch. Free hand. Free hand. Uh, Zhao Wei is in the paper today. Um, He uh, lost his hand in an accident. Uh, It was a a gruesome industrial accident. And so what they've done... (laughs) I can barely bring myself to tell you this. They have reattached his hand, which is great. Not to the end of his wrist. They've reattached it to his foot. It's on the back of his foot. So, in other words, when he takes his socks off at night, if, if, he, if he goes to the gym, you're going to be freaked out by this. Because he takes his sock off, and there is a fully working hand attached to his heel of his foot. And there's a picture of it in the paper today. And somebody said, you'll be great at handstands now, because it's, uh, he can balance himself. It's just slightly worrying. Why they've attached it to his heel, I've got no idea. So the good news is we've reattached your severed hand. The bad news is it's now on your foot. So you can pick money up on the pavement. I mean, it's it's quite worrying. I don't know if they've done it as a joke. They have done, they, they did somebody else, didn't they? Somebody lost their nose and they attached it to their forehead. Somebody lost an ear once and they, and they stuck it on the top of their head. I can't quite work out whether the Chinese are having a laugh or whether or not this is, this is some sort of new fetish thing that I'm not, not aware of. So funny. So funny. You have to laugh, don't you, really? <coughs> lots of deals out at the moment. Lots of um, lots of, of people offering discount. Came through Piccadilly Circus. Big shop there. 70% off. 70% off. And you think, we haven't even got to Christmas and already the sales are, are going on and people are out there. As I say, yesterday, tried to get into Kingston at 2... Th- no, no, about 11 o'clock in the morning. And it took ages to get it, and I thought, oh, this doesn't bode well. Drove around to where I thought I'd better park the car. No, absolutely solid. So I just turned, I came back home. So this morning, I've got to do it, got to do it early. It's the only way. I don't want to, I don't want to get stressed out with this, and I, I tend not to get too stressed out. Um, you're on a kick. I went on some mad rides, says Blue, who's in West Texas when my son was a boy. Nothing fell apart, so that would be very bad. Imagine, though, you're up 200 feet in the air. You're swinging round on this chairplane, and the seat falls away. I'd have... Oh, blimey. I'd, I'm not sure I could have hung on. I'm not sure that my little hands would support my body weight. She says, I did send you flowers. Yeah, no, they were very nice. Thank you very much indeed. We did get the flowers. Your Edith Piaf imitation was screamingly funny a week or so ago. You just tore the French in moments. Well, the French don't like us. They've never liked us. They used to burn sheep in the, in the, uh, in the streets. They never liked us, the French. They all smell of, of garlic and everything else. It's nice if you're over there, but they're, they're, they're doing their own thing, aren't they? The British could never understand why you go to France, everything closes at lunchtime. They all sort of disappear off for a sleep or so. It was a little bit like being in Spain. They have siestas. Only in this country do we stay open all the hours that God sends. Uh, Marion says, I'm listening to you and the Dawn Chorus. What more do I need? Nice cup of tea would be nice, wouldn't it, I would think. People go a nice cup of tea. Um... 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I did watch The Chase the other day. I always love it when I, I, my, I, I do become quite excited 
when I see anybody, be it Bradley or whoever it happens to be, saying, today we've got a celebrity edition, because I always think, who have they dragged up for this? And they had Chris Bisson from Emmerdale, who's actually quite quite good. I quite liked him. I can't remember who the other ones were. Sometimes they, they, they put people on these programmes, and I don't know who they are. And they go, this is a celebrity. It was one woman who did an anthropologic... An anthropologic... Poly- no, well, anyway, it was something to do with anthropology. And she did a... Well, I'd never even heard of her. And they're now touting her around as some sort of celebrity. I mean, I suppose, really, you can't put anybody from the early with Essex because they're a bit dim and a bit stupid, so there's no point in putting them on at all. Uh, Talisa, out on the town. Oh, dear. Nice to see her looking happy at the moment. And then there's a drug lord who boasted of having sex with a detective... I don't know, it's all going on, isn't it? Oh, and there was... Oh, the other thing. Do you remember the um, couple? There was a, an MP who was tweeted by some people and they wrote offensive things. She was trying to do something with getting Jane Austen on a, on a banknote and she got, she got tweeted some horrible things. Anyway, police have caught them. They're up in court soon. They've been named and shamed. Not very good, is it, really? But uh, a warning, I think, to anybody who ever sends anybody anything offensive that uh, the police will pounce, they will take you to court, you will be named and shamed, you will lose your job. And uh, everybody will be very happy, because you can't support things like that at all. Uh, who's a picture of this here? Gary Barlow and Howard Donald. Uh, with um, somebody actually talking of Gary Barlow, there was a piece in one of the papers earlier on. He was doing an X Factor thing with, uh, with Elton John, who swore blind a short while ago. He'd never gone on reality shows. He hates them. Yet, of course, if it's, if it's plugging a single, he's there like anybody else. And there was a rumour that Gary Barlow was just faking it. He wasn't playing the piano at all. They said it was so bad. And uh, Twitter became alive with people saying, I don't think he's actually playing the piano. He's become a bit, uh, a bit, bit naff, Gary Barlow. He's OK, but he's just boring. He is very, very boring. And uh, George Michael has sparked fears among fans after shutting his website and replacing it with a closed curtain. All content, including, including official merchandise, vanished from georgemichael.com, causing worries about his health. <coughs> well, it depends what he's smoking, doesn't it, at the time, as to, as to whether he has one of, his, one of his funny little Mary moods. He's 50. He's previously had pneumonia. He's just signed a huge record deal, but he's yet to release an album. And a spokeswoman denied the dimly lit red curtain was a sign that George was retiring. She said the curtains will reopen next year. There will be an exciting piece of news in 2014. Can barely wait. 14 minutes to five. Well, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to tell you about the competition. Christmas only being... Just over a week away, and I'm spreading festive cheer, ladies and gentlemen, by giving away thousands of pounds worth of the hottest techie gifts with the LBC Gadget giveaway, plus I guarantee delivery by the 25th of December. I'm guaranteeing to, if I have to drive the thing round myself. Yesterday, from Dollis Hill in London, Christopher Saker won himself the new iPad Mini by correctly identifying that Stillenacht is the Germanic name for Silent Night. So, well done to everybody who got that right. But it was Christopher Saker who's the winner. Congratulations. He's got himself that new iPad mini with the retina thing, and it's wonderful. Today, oh, there's no end to this one, a Samsung Chromebook laptop. This portable computer has automatic security and software updates, 100 gig of free cloud storage, making it perfect for on-the-go computing. So that's what you're going to be unwrapping come Christmas morning. Now, you might want to give it away as a gift... I suggest that once you see it, you'll be keeping it, as the same with all our prizes on the programme. So it's the Samsung Chromebook laptop. But you need to know... Oh, this one. You might not know the answer to this one. You might have to check a little bit. Based on the historic Greek bishop who had a reputation for secret gift-giving, Santa Claus is also known as Saint what? 
Based on the historic Greek bishop, who had a reputation for secret gift-giving, Santa Claus is also known as Saint Watt. We'll probably take abbreviations as well. Once you've worked out the answer, you text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer, and send it to 84850. 84850, before 7 o'clock this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So that's what you're playing for, which is the Samsung Chromebook laptop. Go and check it out, and then if you decide you want it, go for it. Go for it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Apparently that uh, fire, Kevin the Warburton's driver says, the lorry on fire's on the A13. It's in the lay-by, and it's been put out by the fire brigade. So well done there. Thank you very much indeed. What amazes me, says Maxine, about the people on the Jeremy Kyle show, is that they're on benefits, they don't pay for dental treatment, yet there are five of them on stage, and there's only one tooth between them. It is true, is it? Half of them, most of them have got no teeth, and yet they can afford to have tattoos, unless you're getting tattoos on the NHS now. Do you think they are doing that? Do you think they get free tattoos? I never understand why they want tattoos. It's so chavvy and so naff. And it's going to look so stupid when they're so old. It's awful. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Yes, can you remind people, says June, if somebody rings them telling they're a police officer, somebody's been arrested, they had their bank card details, and tell them to call the bank, don't. I've, listen, I, I, listen, June, we could do this till the cows come home. Do it to the cows come home. Still, people will hand over details. I'm always curious if anybody gets my home phone number. I say, where have you got it from? And also, the one thing, if you don't want people to phone you at home or do cold calling, which is illegal, get an answer phone. Most phones now have got a built-in answer phone. And what you do is you wait until you hear somebody talking who you know, and then you pick up the phone. If you don't know who it is, don't pick up the phone. Most telephones now, you can pick them up so cheaply, 30 quid, 40 quid. Probably get a whole set of them for about 50 quid, I should imagine. Have them all over the house. They've got built-in answer phones. You never need to pick up the phone. Why would you pick up the phone? Hello? And then, I mean, can you believe earlier, a few years ago, people used to give out their phone number. Why would you give that out? Never give that out. And if it's a police officer, you get, where did you get my number from? Where did you get my number? That's all you've got to say to them. Where did you get my number from? Or fellow that, just go, yeah, right, and put the phone down. It's so much easier, you don't, you know, but people will, will get conned, I'm afraid. People, people, unfortunately, I think sometimes people know they're being conned and yet they go for it. I don't know why, I, I try and advise people every year, don't ever give your details out. You know, somebody would go, all right, I mean, I used to get them years ago, that, you know, you get something through from Barclays. Uh, somebody's tried to hack into your account, there's not really action, can you, can you let us have the details of this? I thought, well, that's clever, I'm not even with Barclays. But they send out millions, they send out millions and that's why, you know, people people fall for it. Even if you get, you know, a pickup of 1%. It's easy-peasy money. People are so gullible now. They're so gullible. You've just got to be so careful. If it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. There is no such thing as a free lunch, I'm afraid. Uh, the ticket agencies come under fire again. Uh, for adding things onto them. I never quite understand how it works out either. One particular person... Uh, bought a ticket for Jimmy Carr's stand-up show at Wolverhampton Civic Hall. It sounds ghastly, doesn't it? Each ticket had a face value of £25, but was subject to £9.50 in extra fees, a £3 booking charge, and £6.50 compulsory delivery fee. It's a markup of 38%. What do you mean £6.50? You put tickets in an envelope that costs what? I don't know how much. I couldn't tell you even how much a stamp costs nowadays. That's awful. But whatever it is, it isn't £6.50. But that's what they that's what they do. They mark it up 
by a third. We all know that there is a, uh, you know, a, a sort of a, a cut-off point where they think they can't milk it anymore, I'm afraid. Talking of milking it, there's a, a couple here. This is Rebecca George. She's a mother of three. And uh, she got so fed up with a deluge of menus, flyers and leaflets that she collected them for a year. All the junk mail that comes through your door. Now, some people love junk mail. I'm not one of them. I don't, I don't get any junk mail. I'm very lucky. Mainly because I don't, I don't respond to anything. I don't have any of these store cards. I have nothing at all, so I don't get junk mail. She's a graphic designer. She said, I've decided to save it. How many in the course of a year? 1,270 pieces of junk mail, poor soul. And uh, what, what, what you have to do, I mean, it is illegal to send this stuff out unsolicited. And so what you do is you put it back in an envelope, send it back to them, let them pay for it. Much easier. The worst culprits, credit card firms and banks, along with local businesses, posting flies by hand. Oh, I've lost track of the amount of filthy, disgusting pizza things that come through the door. But they come through generally. So I don't look at those as junk mail. I look at junk mail as anything that's got your name and address on it. You think, where they got that from? And the answer is you're on a list. You'll be on a list and they just sell lists on. All sorts of people do it. Uh, one here from Karen who says we went to Disneyland Paris a few years ago when our son was six years old. Went on a ride called the Hollywood Tower Hotel. It's based on a broken lift shaft. We sat in seats with a piece of rope across our laps holding us in and the lift dropped really fast and then shot back in the air. Oh, they do that one in, in Vegas. It's on the top of one of the things. Only this one does shoot you up into the air. Normally on the tower, which they've got in Winter Wonderland, you sit round the outside and it takes you up into the air about 300 feet and you sit there. And you sit there until eventually the operator pushes the button and you drop like a stone. The one on the stratosphere in Vegas, you sit round the outside and it shoots you up into the air, which is great if it's, if it's daylight. If it's dark, it's the most frightening thing that you've ever done. They also have another ride on the stratosphere where you sit in the car and it drops you out over the side. But then Vegas is full of people who jump off the top of buildings with ropes attached to them. I wouldn't even bungee jump. I absolutely, nothing, nothing would ever get me to bungee jump. No amount, if somebody said there is a million pounds, you know, on offer, would you not, um, listen, I'd be worried I'd get a heart attack on the way down. I seriously, seriously wouldn't, wouldn't ever do that at all. Oh, here's a thing here about teenage cannabis users. Good Lord, do people still smoke cannabis? How dated, how dated. But apparently it, uh, it has lasting memory damage. Teenagers who use cannabis on a regular basis risk damaging their memory, so say scientists, in turn leading to poor academic performance. Marijuana, apparently, is the most commonly used illicit drug among adolescents in the UK. Four in ten have taken it. Lord, honestly, that's a bit dated, isn't it? So what are you doing? I'm just smoking a joint. Oh, how clever of you. How brilliant. But apparently the, the brain abnormalities are patently obvious. So you've got to be very careful. Apparently it shrinks your brain and collapses. But some people go from cannabis to skunk, don't they? Skunk is the one where you get sectioned on skunk because it just drives you completely round the bend. And I've, I've been out in Leicester Square and I've smelt cannabis. I've smelt can I think, how sad. How sad that that's, that's the extent of your life. You've had to uh, have to go out and smoke cannabis. Blue says a lot of pathetic women over here, in Texas, write to prisoners and get scammed, especially obese women. Very dreary. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I've never understood, actually, why you do get women. We get them in this country as well, who, who write to prisoners, people who are serving life. And they write to them and start befriending them. They're quite clearly mad as brooms, I'm afraid. 
It's, it is very... I don't understand why they do it. I think they... Because they th- they're lonely. I think they, uh, they, they, they just do it for some sort, of, some sort of bit of company. So they write to somebody in, in prison. Uh, Lord Des and Claire, back from Goa. Yes, we did get the Christmas pop-up card and the fridge magnet. Yes, the cough is, is back again. We had it, I seem to remember we had the cough this time last year, didn't we? It was, uh, it was not, looking, uh, not looking very promising at all. Uh, Dean says, what, uh, what planet is Peter Andre on? I don't know, Peter. They were telling us how Peter Andre... Oh, so the, the other thing. Front of OK magazine. You know it doesn't get any worse when Kerry Coke-Toner, uh, that uh, fat, overweight, bloated woman with no talent at all, announces she's getting married very shortly, parades the kids there because it's an exploitation of the best possible kind, and, uh, and then says, and next year she's got a few surprises. I'm hoping she's going to emigrate, but I don't suppose we could be that lucky, could we? We're obviously going to have to put up with this dreary old woman again. Jim Davidson has been completely cleared of sex assault allegations. He was delighted that he won't be charged over an alleged offence in the Falkland Islands. But the trouble is they've already been to the paper. There's the troubles with these things, isn't it? These are historical events. I mean, can anybody hold their hand up and remember what happened 40 years ago? I can't remember last Tuesday week. If somebody said to me, what did you do last year? I've got no idea. I'm assuming I came into work. And that's about as far as it went. God, terrible, isn't it? It's almost like, you know, you, you can go out to a disco or something... Years and years ago, pick somebody up, and then years later they come back and go, I really hated that night. And you think, well, I thought I was pretty good, actually. I was, you know, pretty, pretty smooth and sexy. They go, no, you ruined my life. Why? Well, because I had a cherry bee and there was no cherry in it, was there? Oh, I think, for God's sake, get over yourselves. Uh, 84850, Malcolm says, the way that Gary Barlow was slamming his hands down on the keys, he couldn't possibly have been really playing the piano. It is the talk of Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. News at five is next. Oh. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, every four minutes past uh, five. Four minutes past five. Actually, I just, uh, I was inquiring on Friday as to my, my ex-producer, David. David Birch. Who uh, produced me for some year, many, many years ago. 30, 30 plus years ago. 30, yes, about 34 years ago, back in Gough Square. And David's uh, parents had a farm. And and he sort of let... I'm sure he went to Thames... I can't remember where he went to, actually. He might have gone to Thames Television. But apparently, uh, David, uh, on his way back from Spitalfields Market, says, I saw him on Sunday at the in-laws' 65th wedding anniversary. Uh, he said he, he... Yes, he has sent me an email, actually, already. So I've not heard from him for about 35 years, because we wondered where he went to. He sort of disappeared, but we did a whole series called A Place in the Country, and we went out to do these, uh, these programmes. I think we did uh, Hatfield House, we did uh, Chartwell, we did Number One London, we did all sorts of places, and David came out there and recorded them. I just sort of stood there with, a, with an expert, and, uh, and that was that. So it'd be lovely to see him again. Apparently he went to the LBC reunion, but left early. Obviously the wife's got him on a, on a chain or something like that. So he, he left early, but he did bump into a few other people. He bumped into Mike Carson and... Uh, Ian Marshall as well. I saw... Did I see Mike Carson? Yes, I did see Mike Carson, yes. And Ian Marshall. At one point, I was uh, I was surrounded by ex-producers. For some reason, on this programme, you get through more producers than anybody else. Because it's people sort of come in. So I've, I forget, uh, I bumped into Rebecca, who we had back in another building. And I'd had Rebecca for, cool dear, two years, I think, something like that. If you had them all up, I think over the years. And then Mandy I bumped into. And then Ian Marshall, Mike Carson... And who else was there? So Ian Marshall, Mike Carson, Mandy, Rebecca was there. Four, four producers at the LBC reunion. And there was, I think there was another two that I've forgotten as well. 
So I've had quite a bit. Actually, I've got a, uh, uh, my ex-producer for this programme is producing me on Box... No, on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, I think. She's doing Christmas Day. And so I'm constantly bumping into people. You bump into people and go, oh, I produced Steve Allen. I think, well, that's the theory behind it. Uh, Sharon Osborne, uh, bleary-eyed, driven away from an after-show party. I mean, it's, it's, I like Sharon Osborne. I do think, though, she's absolutely rubbish when it comes to alcohol. She obviously doesn't hold alcohol very well. She's quite an emotional person. They're on the front, I think, her and uh, an Aussie. Yes, he's still alive. <laughs> just. Although, as I say, I seriously think he's been embalmed some years ago and they just prop him up for photos. Um, Elizabeth Hurley and Shane Warne have split up again. So they get back. That's always happens like that, doesn't it? I don't know if you've been in a similar situation. You're in a relationship with somebody and it's going very well and then you just, it just kind of runs out of steam as so you split up. And then you want to get back together again. And, and so you get back together again, but it doesn't quite work second time round. And so you, you do it and then, and then, it's, and then gradually the, the gaps between you staying together get shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, such is the case of Elizabeth Emmanuel. Elizabeth Emmanuel, Emmanuel uh, divorced. After they made the Diana dress, they split bitterly. And they didn't talk to each other for, I think, something like um, six months. And then he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Anyway, she watched him on I'm a Celebrity. She's now changed her mind again. She now fancies him all over again. She said it's like an epiphany. Because when they first met, they, they were very, uh, very young. Uh, they were a happily married couple back in the day when they did that Diana dress. That very creased Diana dress. Because it was made out of taffeta and stuff like that. And so, uh, so now they might be getting back together again. <laughs> It's ridiculous, isn't it? So we're just going to have to hope and watch. She says, uh, we brought out the worst in each other, which is why it was so nice seeing him in the jungle, acting like the person he was when I first met him. I don't do regret, because like they're, they're so posh, aren't they? I don't do regret. It was so stupid, honestly. We were brought together, it seems, to make that fairy tale dress, which we did. Uh, so let's, uh, let's wait and find out. Let's wait and find out. They've got, they've got children. And I think she went bankrupt at one point. I'm, I'm, in the back of my mind, there was something about a company buying out Elizabeth Emmanuel. It'd be nice if they get back together, though, wouldn't it? I quite fancy that idea. And uh, who knows, for Christmas time, strange things happen, ladies and gentlemen. People fall in love all over again. Uh, so here's Gary Barlow bailing out of the X Factor, fans slamming his Muppet-like piano playing with Elton John. I don't really know why Elton John was on there, because it's, he's, he hates these reality shows. He's told us that quite clearly the poor old soul... Is, uh, is prone to changing his mind. And so we had uh, Gary Barlow on there, because I think, if memory serves me, Elton is on one of the tracks on Gary's album, and, of course, doesn't want to miss out on the opportunity, does he, of getting himself back on the television. You don't see Elton John on television. You don't see him on chat shows very often, mainly because he's a little short, fat bloke who plays the piano, and there's not really much much room for that. And yet, I th- has he ever done an autobiography? What have he ever done an autobiography? That'd be a book worth reading, wouldn't it? I'm hoping that Simon Cowell does one. That would be a book worth reading. If they were, if they were brutally frank. If they were brutally frank, I think that would be, uh, that would be very interesting. Louis Walsh, apparently, is supposed to be writing one. That, uh, if, if he's going to be honest, then that one I would, I would be reading. Uh, Diana wasn't killed by the SAS, so they've claimed. Big surprise there. You didn't actually think that one was going any further, did you? No, I didn't think it was either, I'm afraid. On the subject of Christmas working, Paul says anybody who works in either hotels and shops must know when they sign up that they're working in a service industry. As you know, I worked in both at the paper shop Sunday, for example. It wasn't negotiable. You did it. End of. 
We had a guy at the hotel who, after hearing he got a free taxi in on Christmas and Boxing Day and was well looked after with a champagne breakfast to boot, decided he wanted to work both. So those with family were pleased to let him. He appeared on Christmas Day, but on Boxing Day morning, rang in five minutes before his shift to say he was ill and couldn't possibly make it. Cue the duty manager running around to find a replacement at short notice, which they finally did at great expense. Sadly, with the person concerned, the head housekeeper, slightly suspicious, decided in the afternoon to ring him to see if all was okay. Like most folk these days, all he had was a mobile and he answered it, being somewhat distracted at the time. His beloved Manchester City had just scored. His sickbed was the Eastland Stadium, having been offered a ticket last minute as he had bad work history and had uh, and done sort of several, several shows, several working days. Did you see Come Dine With Me? If you can call Rav Wilding, Mrs Moneypen and Jennifer Ellison to name but three... Oh, Rav, can't bear Rav Wilding. I cannot bear him, I'm afraid. Where were Pete and Tostos and the chronically unused Pip? Come on, TV bosses, give them a chance. And the picture you tweeted, ask us who you were at the weekend. Was it uh, Padraig? No, it wasn't. It was Ant. It was Ant. And then there was a whole crowd of us up at uh, Winter Wonderland, which we loved, actually. No, it was not Podrake. Is it Podrake? I can't remember how you pronounce his name now. He'll be back in on Thursday. Either way, I, I remember I was, I was reading it wrong for weeks. I said, why didn't you tell me? So I didn't like to, he said. <laughs> Bless his heart. Uh, the Saatchi case drags on. It's odd, isn't it, what goes on in people's lives? I'm so grateful my life is quite normal compared to some of these other poor people who are really suffering with things. Um, uh, <laughs> things most likely to say a Rebecca Loose calendar of the week. Jonathan Ross asking David Beckham to name the worst Christmas gift he's ever given Victoria, the Rebecca Luce calendar. <laughs> oh, that'll be wonderful. And Holly Willoughby milking it on the television. I mean, how much longer do we have to put up with this? Holly Willoughby, an important announcement to make on Christmas Celebrity Juice, which is produced by her husband, incidentally. It's the only reason she's on there. Not because she's fatty, f- fatty. not because she's funny or witty. Uh, she says, and this, this was her, her announcement, I think Fern Cotton is one of the best-dressed women in the country, and I'm not just saying that to be nice. Yeah, and she's not just saying that, ladies and gentlemen, because she and Fern happen to have a rather lucrative deal flogging their own clothes for a fashion website either, just in case any horrible cynics out there thought she was. Honestly, you people. <sighs> she's not cynical. That's why she's wearing it every day on the t- It's a free advert, isn't it? It's a free advert. Her and Fern Cotton. Who's out the other day in the night time wearing dark glasses? I don't quite understand why. Perhaps she's got some sort of conjunctivitis. Uh, competition running for today. In fact, every day up until Christmas. I'm guaranteeing Christmas delivery. Not many people can guarantee it. I don't know how we're doing it. But that's what we're doing. You could have the latest gadget in your hand come Christmas morning. If not beforehand, I would have thought. Christopher Saker from Dollis Hill yesterday got himself the new iPad Mini. Which has got the, the retina recognition. Today... The Samsung Chromebook laptop. It's a portable computer, automatic security, software updates, 100 gig of free cloud storage, making it perfect for on-the-go computing. Google it. If you don't fancy it, don't go for it. But I promise you, well, to see it is to love it, is to possess it. The Samsung Chromebook laptop. You could be unwrapping it come Christmas morning. You need to know the answer to this question. Think carefully. Based on the historic Greek bishop who had a reputation for secret gift-giving, Santa Claus is also known as Saint Watt. Santa Claus is known as Saint Watt. Text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 to get here before 7 o'clock this morning. The text will cost £1.50. 
plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck, and hopefully it'll be your name we read out on the programme tomorrow. Uh, Bob says, when I was a coal man, we uh, were always given tips daily. Really? You see, I suppose the coal man would have, would have got things like that. I just, I just don't know, um, uh, really, why, you know, why anybody would want to tip the coal on a daily basis. I suppose the coal man's doing something good, actually. I think that, you know, that was, that was good. Uh, 84850, steve at Don't forget I'm here on Christmas morning. It is traditional on LBC that I'm here on Christmas morning. So this Christmas morning between 7 and 10, I shall be uh, here. And it means that we, uh, we offer advice over Christmas because there's so many dumb people, so many dumb people who, you know, either don't remember to take the giblets out of the turkey or they've forgotten to defrost it or they haven't got sprouts or they can't get things at last. I mean, luckily, because of the society we live in nowadays, you know that there's going to be shops open Christmas Day. Years ago, there wouldn't have been. Be nothing open Christmas Day. Garages, everything closed. Now, you can nip to the local garage, buy some firewood and you can go and get, uh, you can probably get some booze as well. But I think, actually... Uh, that if you actually manage to get things organised properly, hopefully, Christmas morning, you should be perfect. Uh, Somebody says, I love working nights. It means I get to listen to the Steve Allen show. I love his opinions. Always right. Never wrong, actually. Always right. It's good. A lot of people telling me that Gary Barlow cannot have been playing the uh, the piano. He's so boring. He's so... You watch his interviews. God, he's dreary. I wish you could fall asleep listening to his interviews. They're so dull. So dull. Uh, Who's this? This is some woman... Oh, this is a woman who's, who spent ages looking for her, her true love. 31 years she spent trying to go, oh, God, honestly. But eventually she found him. He must have been delighted because she's put on weight. And they went on to, uh, to Facebook. The, the reason she couldn't find him, because she spelt his name wrong. And uh, now they've found him. Luckily, he, he has tattoos. They all seem to be spelt correctly. He was a little bit young. And he did break her heart as a teenager. My God, she's a hefty hideaway girl at the moment. I mean, she really is. I think you'd be taking on extra jobs to feed her up over the Christmas period. Lots of dre- They always do silly stories in the papers over, over the Christmas time of sort of what you're going to be wearing to Christmas parties and how much it costs. Because it's only girls, isn't it, that worry about what they're going to wear to the Christmas party. LBC have a Christmas party next week. And uh, as usual, I shall probably go. And as usual, I shall probably have a few sherbets. And as usual, I shall probably behave inappropriately. But that's the fun of it. That's the that's the eager anticipation. How drunk is he going to get this year? Answer: Not that drunk. Last year they did escort me back to the bus stop, which I thought was quite nice because I'd completely forgotten where it was. It's quarter past five. Well, he did try. And let's face it. Nick Ferrari this morning, as the government's airport commissioner publishes his recommendations on increased capacity, Nick will be getting reaction from Boris Johnson plus. Is Cameron right? Has the mission been accomplished in Afghanistan? And how can we possibly justify any more fire strikes? Nick Ferrari and the team from Seven looking at the papers today. Mark Dolan, TV presenter, very slim, very thin. He will bound up the stairs as per usual. Good morning, Steve. Morning, Steve. And he'll be doing the papers with Nick Ferrari. Uh, the good news is that Brucey Forsyth has signed for another year for Strictly. For all those people who went, oh, no, he's passed it. He's absolutely not. He gets thousands of letters a week. That's the indication of whether they're going to keep somebody. If the, if the figures for Strictly were disastrous, then, they, then they, they, they would get rid of him. That's no point in keeping somebody whose figures are absolutely terrible. But they're not. His figures are absolutely brilliant. He gets loads of, uh, 
Loads of mail, thousands of letters every week pour in. He is the vanguard of everybody. He is the person, he is the joker in the pack. He leads the pack. He started performing at the age of 14. He shows no sign. In fact, I don't think he could slow down. As you know, I bumped into him in Costco the other day in Farnborough as he was pushing his trolley around. And I thought, gosh, Bruce Forsyth, the same place as me. How exciting is that? He was probably going, that's Steve Allen. I can't believe him in the same place as Steve Allen. He was Boy Bruce and the Mighty Atom. Uh, I've got old footage of him when he was doing Sunday night at the London Palladium, Beat the Clock. Uh, did a great painting comedy routine with Norman Wisdom. Uh, he's, he's just, you know, he's, he, he makes mishaps, but he's elderly. He's allowed to make mishaps. He's showbiz royalty. I shouldn't imagine he suffers fools gladly. Well, in fact, I, I know he doesn't suffer fools gladly because I know somebody's been on the receiving end of it. But uh, he always gets there. He loves it. Strictly is broadcast live. He insists on performing a half-hour warm-up to get the audience in the mood. And uh, his, his regular breaks make him feel revitalised. He's got loads of children. I think they all go round for Christmas every year. It's, all, it's quite a good thing, actually. You know, it really is. It really is. He's, he's showbiz royalty. And the reason is because he's very genuine. What you hear and what you see is what you get. That's exactly with, with Bruce Forsyth, you know. So he gets another contract for another year. I get another contract for another year. You know, this programme's audience figures have never been higher. They're absolutely, you know, at... God, I mean, I wasn't even sure they could, they could get that high myself. He's sharp as a knife. And he's worth every penny. There were rumours, because he'd missed a few little rehearsals, that he was, he was going to go, but then uh, quite clearly not. They love him. They absolutely love him. Uh, he says here, some people grow up to hate me. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that, because the people who hate you, Bruce, they'll still watch you every week. They'll still watch you. That's the sad thing about people who are so sad and lonely and dribbling. that they, Even if they absolutely loathe you, they'll still be watching you. They'll, they'll write in and go, oh, I think you're absolutely rubbish, Bruce. But they'll still be watching, because they don't have anything else in their life. They don't have, and they're always very jealous of other people. They're jealous of other people's success, happiness, the money that you've got, and the, the successful career that you've had for... Goodness only knows. I mean, donkey's years now. Donkey's years. It's like, I'm always surprised that there are certain people in the business who actually still survive. I don't know how they manage it, half of them. Uh, Daily Mail today. Children of the 1960s and 70s will be worse off than their parents when they retire. They were saying, what did they say you needed to retire the other day? It was something like £250,000 sitting in the bank. So I thought, phew, we're all right there. And, uh, and then they thought, you know, and then over Christmas there's going to be lottery. I've got so many things to check on the lottery. They're probably only be worth about £2.50 each. But I've got about uh, about ten notifications from the lottery. Because I buy the tickets and I do them for eight weeks in advance. And then I just leave them there. So let them let them check them and sort everything else out. Christmas would have been nice though, wouldn't it? Nigella Lawson and Charles Sarchi's children received how much pocket money a day? According to court report. £80 a day. £80 a day. Blimey. <coughs> we certainly didn't get £80 a day. Eighty pounds. We didn't get eighty pound a month. I don't think it was like what? Would, I can't remember what it was. Something like two and six a week, twelve and a half pence. Many of you will remember the two and six a week, and then it went up a little bit. But I, I think at the best of it, it was ten bob a week or something. But for that, you had to clean your bike, wash the car, do the washing up. You had to do everything. So with Christmas just around the corner, and it is just around the corner, you should have already ordered your turkey. Don't leave it till the last. Week. You can always get frozen things, but if you're looking for for fresh. Then you've got to go and order from the butcher, or in our case, Sandy's. They, they do their Norfolk bronze turkeys. And I know that come Christmas Eve, there will be a queue stretching up Heathrow, past Marks and Spencers, heading up towards the Chinese, for people queuing up to get there. But they're not cheap. 
but you pay for what you get now. And people are quite willing to pay 50 and 60 pounds for a turkey. Quite willing. Well, especially around our way. Probably the same around you, around your way as well. Because Christmas is going to cost you so much. We don't, we don't do a whole turkey. We tend to find turkey crown is, is quite adequate. And by the time you've done that and all your little bits and pieces, Christmas is fantastic. So we've got, what do we say? I can't remember we've got for Christmas Day. Eight of us? Nine of us? I don't know. Something like that. And then the next, on the Boxing Day, there's loads of us. Loads of us, which is always good. We've got sort of family round, and we're going off to do tug-of-war, and we're going off to watch farmers disporting themselves in a river, which would be very nice. And then we'll probably have some mulled wine. Well, that's the bit I look forward to. Uh, Christopher Saker from Dollis Hill was our winner yesterday on LBC 97.3. Uh, he knew that Stillenacht, there's a Germanic name for Silent Night, it was Stillenacht Heiligenacht. He got himself the new iPad Mini, so well done. Congratulations to you. Today, on offer... And I'll guarantee delivery for Christmas. The Samsung Chromebook laptop. Doesn't get any better than this. The Samsung Chromebook laptop. Portable computer, automatic security, software updates, 100 gigs of free cloud storage. It's the perfect, perfect computer for on-the-go computing. And you could be that person. It could be your name we read out tomorrow. Like Christopher Saker is yesterday's winner. It could be your name we insert here as the being the winner of the Samsung Google Chromebook. You need to know the answer to this question, though, if you've just woken up. Based, <coughs> excuse me, on the historic Greek bishop who had a reputation for secret gift-giving, Santa Claus is known as Saint what? Regular listeners to this programme, of which there are hundreds of thousands, know exactly what this is because it would form the basis of, of a thing that featured on this programme. So, Santa Claus is known as Saint what? To enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T. I always spell it just in case, because if you get it wrong, it goes to a different department. Then your answer and send it to 84850. You might want to abbreviate the name. So gadget, then your answer and send it to 84850 to reach me before 7 o'clock this morning. Very important. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck, because I'd love it to be your name that we read on the programme tomorrow. Uh, another one here, uh, which says, uh, uh, 84850. Uh, some, somebody says here, wait a minute, love listening to the programme, been listening now for years, and uh, converted all my neighbours. Uh, somebody says, I have worked... Christmas and New Year for the last ten years because I run a karaoke and it's my busiest time. The chef needs a slap on the side of the head. He was lucky to have had a job. I know. He'd only been there since October. Hardly worth bothering with. But apparently he's tweeted that uh, that somebody has actually uh, somebody's actually offered him another job. They're quite clear. I don't know what an idiot he is. I wonder if they're making him work Christmas. Perhaps he's road sweeping. I don't know. But uh, as as everybody knows, Tracy. It's easy to get out there and work. If, you work, if, you, if, that's, if you're in catering and you've got a pub or you've got a hotel, you work, what do you think? Hotels close for Christmas? Of course they don't. We have a system here that, you know, if, if next year I don't want to work Christmas, then uh, I'll just say to them, I don't want to work Christmas this year and I won't work Christmas. My choice. As I've said before, uh, it's absolutely, it's absolutely de rigueur that if you work, you get paid. That's the nice bit. That's the nice bit. I like that side of it. That's the happy bit, as far as I'm concerned. Other stories of the papers. It's uh, Barack Obama. I'm not sure if this is the official Christmas card, but they've got little kids, and one of them's pulling... Uh, they're obviously playing little elves 
which is quite nice. The tip story makes all the papers. That's the interesting bit. Quick time check for you. It's 5.30. We did laugh the other day. There was a bit of a row going on between poor old Kiketi Price and Peter Andre because he's got the kids this year. Because she had them last year, so they've done a deal. And she's been moaning about it on Twitter, going, oh, you know, what sort of person doesn't let, you know, their mum see the kids? I thought, well, he must have a programme to record to expose them onto the television, because we've hardly ever seen Peter's kids, even though he loves them. And uh, so she's been moaning about it. But I think next year, I think they're in court. They've got some some deal to, to thrash out over something. It's so tedious, isn't it? Two of the most boring people in the entire world. The woman with the, the voice that can sort of sink battleships, I should imagine. And Peter, untalented Andre, the little man who's 40-something. I mean, he's so old on these programmes. They've got people of 20. And then they've got an old man like him. Dreadful. Uh, they put together a picture of Robespierre architect and of terror and victim of the guillotine and uh, just to sort of see exactly you know what he looked like he was he was executed apparently and uh, they've got uh, Murray Tussaud well actually when I saw the picture of Madame Tussaud in Madame Tussaud they've got her, her waxwork in there she was a funny little old lady she looked a bit spooky to be honest with you she used to sit by by the guillotine and she took death masks that's what she did that was her first exhibition which she opened up in Paris, and it was the death marks of all the, the famous people. So they put together a composite picture of what Robespierre would, have, Robespierre would have looked like. I find it hard to believe, though, that they would sort of take these people out there. I know we did it in this country, but we never did, uh, we never did the guillotine. It was, it was primarily for France. I don't think we ever used the guillotine over here at all. We did use the executioner, but we never ever used the guillotine. I don't know why. I'm surprised somebody didn't invent the British guillotine. Probably would have gone wrong, wouldn't it? One of those things that never, never quite would have made it to the end. But people used to go out. It was a day out. It was a day out. People would go, they'd go, oh, it's an execution today. And they'd take the poor old unfortunates out there who'd be either hung, drawn and quartered or just executed. People used to cheer and clap and people were drinking and they sold souvenirs. Imagine if they did that. Would there be a crowd for it today? Of course there would be. If you had public executions up at Tower Hill, I reckon... That half the country there, and they go, and we go to televise it. BBC now brings you live coverage of the first execution, and we'd all sit there watching it, wouldn't we? We'd be going oh, like they do in Saudi, where they have uh, beheading still. Can't believe it in this day and age, and China don't even get me going on on China at all. Uh, Daily Mail today, they've got. Uh, there's now a glut of wait for this one raspberries and apples, and it's all because the weather's gone a bit a bit pear shaped. So apples are on the trees. And raspberries are on raspberry bushes. But I always thought that because you can send stuff around the world, you can actually have fruit all the time. In this country, it used to be seasonal, not seasonal anymore. Now you can get whatever you want. You go, you go to the market. I shouldn't imagine there is anything in the market that they, they, they cannot get for you. You go there and you say, can you get me gooseberries? They go, well, somewhere in the world we can get you gooseberries. You have to pay for them. A friend of mine bought some mushrooms the other day. Some, no, somebody ordered mushrooms from Paul, Paul Cooper's shop, and they went to get them. They were £60 a kilo. They're very, very special mushrooms, and they look a bit peculiar. And I looked at them, I thought, £60 a kilo? That seems an awful lot of money, doesn't it? But then somebody wanted them for a specific purpose, and they're willing to pay. It's like truffles. You can pay, you know, 60 quid for a truffle, or thousands for a truffle, depending. But now you can get raspberries. I tend to find in this weather, eat them quickly, because they don't go off very, very fast. Ronnie Wood was not ruled out having... Children with his wife, Sally Humphreys. She's 31 years his junior. <laughs> Makes feel quite queasy, something like that. He's 66, looks about 90. And uh, she she doesn't. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. <coughs> 
Two in three 13-year-old girls, apparently, are afraid of getting fat. Well, over the Christmas period, that's what people are going to do, is it? we're going to eat. I'm trying to eat healthily this year, so it'll be fruit and it will be the traditional Christmas dinner, which apparently is, that, according to this programme the other day, it's the, it's the fattest meal. In other countries, they seem to eat better for Christmas. I don't know if we're the only ones who do what they call the traditional roast. What if you could go to America and get a traditional roast? I think you can in Australia. Somebody said to me, you can get traditional roast in Australia. It never tastes quite the same as it does in this country. But uh, I wonder why we started doing it. It's got, to be, it's got to be with all the trimmings. Whereas at one time, I shouldn't imagine, back in Dickens' time, they had sausages with bacon wrapped round. They probably had parsnips, <coughs> which would have been very traditional. And they would have had a goose. Although, in Christmas Carol, it's a turkey. It's a turkey. And you thought they would have been eating goose. I'm not sure whether or not turkey was the cheap option and goose was fairly expensive, because they keep trying to sell it. I walked past Iceland's windows the other day, and they do a hog roast... For 10 quid. In fact, they've got lots of luxury food. I said two days ago, they've got venison. They're selling venison in Iceland. I wasn't actually sure whether or not any of Iceland's customers are aware of what venison is. Jones says, when I did security work, to work Boxing Day at sporting or other events was expected no extra pay. Oh, that went out years ago. That went out... I mean, very few people now, I should imagine. All the, all the Christmas programmes on the television, they're all pre-recorded. There's nothing live. In fact, you could literally just push a button on, I should imagine, ITV. Apart from the news, everything else would be pre-recorded. And now, Ant and Deck, pre-recorded. Don't think they're going to be there. So you could have, you know, a lot of people out there working Christmas. And, they, and what, what they do is, they don't actually have the facility to pay extra money now to people. So gone are the days when I first started, you did get double money for working Christmas Day and for New Year's Day, that was double money. I had to think, actually, at one point, it was treble money. I think they only happened once. They stopped that one fairly, <coughs> excuse me, fairly quickly. They obviously decided that it was costing too much money because they can find loads of people who will work Christmas Day for no extra money at all. And especially this year, I know that uh, a lot of the coffee shops will be open on Boxing Day. So you'll have Christmas Day off. There'll still be shops open, there'll still be pubs open on Christmas Day morning, and pubs that have got restaurants will be doing traditional Christmas dinner. You'll need to have booked it, because they all get booked up on those things, you know, ages and ages in advance. So we always do it every year. This is the first year that we're doing it at home for about four years, I think. Because normally we, we go out to a pub or a restaurant, we went out to the, been out to some lovely places. Once you take everybody out with you, and there's about sort of eight or ten of us going out there for dinner. That, that's quite a nice thought. We have crackers and, you know, do the, do, do the usual thing which everybody else does. So Joan is quite right. Working Boxing Day, no extra pay at all. No extra pay at all. Kevin the Milkman says you could have the executioner of the year, points for technique and style. Yeah, and people could cheer. A bit like sort of, it's a royal knockout. I quite like the idea of that. <laughs> I like the idea of that. But I will be here Christmas morning. Whether you like it or not. Uh, between 7 and 10. And New Year's Day as well. Between 7 and 10 as well. Who had cats first? I always thought that we were the nation of cat love. I don't know where they first came from. Turns out the Chinese had them first. Yes, I know you're thinking fricassee and stuff like that. But I, I pro- they do have cat restaurants in China. Which seems quite horrendous. But they, they just see them as a form of, of meat. I remember seeing a programme on the television where they went to a Chinese market. Where they had every animal you could think of. Literally, everything from terrapins to snakes to, to bugs and everything that's, that's edible. Frank, it never appeared. I remember asking some. Who did I ask? Ken Hom. I asked Ken Hom when he came in. 
Uh, because I'd heard this story, and I've asked a few other chefs as well. Who else did I ask? I've asked a few other people. It wasn't Heston Blumenthal, Michelle Rue Jr. I can't... It might... Oh, was it Michelle Rue Jr.? Anyway, uh, the, the rumour was that there was a restaurant where you went in. In the middle of the table, there was a, a round dish. And you lifted it up, and there was a monkey. And they cut the head off, and you ate the brain. And I remember thinking, this story had done the rounds for years. Absolutely years. And, I'd, and I did ask him, was it Michelle Rue? It, it was certainly one of, the, one of the top chefs in the country. And he said, I investigated, he said, and there was no truth in the rumour whatsoever. I thought the idea of having, you know, the top of a monkey's head cut off and eating the brain seemed a little bit too far-fetched. But cat restaurants, they do have. They do serve cat. We know snake restaurants because we've seen that as well. And cat restaurants, I don't know. I suppose they just look at it as different, like pig's trotters. You know, I'm not, I'm not sort of too... Uh, too good. Uh, Warren Evans is delivering beds in Manchesterford. How lo- A friend of mine just moved into a new flat. Well, I say a new flat. He's moved into a rented flat. And he said to them, they said, everything all right? will be clean, steam cleaned, wonderful. He said, yeah, great. He said, but I don't want the mattress. So they're taking the mattress out because he's got his own. Because you don't, when you think about it, you move into rented accommodation in London or Manchesterford or wherever else, and then you discover that the mattress you're lying on has been slept on by all sorts of people with diseases and illnesses and everything else. So the one thing you should do is actually sort of take take the mattress out, get them to replace it, or cover it with something. <coughs> That's why I love that four-in-a-bed programme, where they literally pull the room apart. These are all people who own bed and breakfast. And they go in there, and they pull the... They go around the shower, they run their fingers over the top of mirrors and picture... I do that at home. After our cleaner's been round, I do go round and run my finger over the top of things, just to make sure, because it only takes about a second... To clean things off. They have goose, but Scrooge buys them a turkey. Yes, I mean, in those days, people would have eaten goose, wouldn't they? That's what I always thought. But it's in Christmas Carol, he buys turkey. I'm 22 and cooking Christmas dinner all by myself for me and my mum, dad and sister. Oh, it's dead easy. Once you just, I tell you, the only thing that you can ever go wrong with cooking Christmas dinner is, is the time for putting everything in. Just remember the turkeys. I mean, my mother used to put it in in the early hours of the morning. So by the time, and most people eat late Christmas Day. You want to make sure that you've finished to watch the Queen's speech, so you make sure that everything's in there. And if you plan it, I mean, most people who do Christmas can plan Christmas, and it, it just goes like clockwork. So you've got to make sure that the, uh, the, uh, the turkey or the goose or beef or whatever it is you're having for Christmas Day, or the vegetarian option, uh, is in in plenty of time. And then the vegetables you can do afterwards, because you can do the vegetables while the meat's resting. I don't understand why it has to rest either, but apparently it tastes completely different. Uh, has there ever been a sibling rivalry more venomous than this one? Joan Fontaine and her sister, Olivia de Havilland. Olivia de Havilland will be furious that Joan has stolen all the headlines. Joan Fontaine died the other day at 96. There was always this rivalry that, uh, that went on, and it, was, it became quite, quite vicious at times. So Olivia de Havilland will now be furious that they've written about Joan Fontaine. We had to remind you the other day... With the help of various people, uh, luckily all the people who know about these sort of things, on exactly uh, who she was, because I'd heard of her, but I didn't, I didn't know what she was famous for. Uh, you mentioned and wondered why there wasn't a British guillotine, says Richard. In fact, there was. It was known as the Halifax Gibbet and was employed in that town mainly for wool theft and was used up until the late 18th century. But you're right... It wasn't used in London. Yes, I mean, I don't remember. London had lots of execution places. There were lots of gibbets hanging around all over the place. Hounslow Heath was very popular for highwaymen, so they would hang them there as a deterrent, but quite clearly it wasn't a deterrent. Charing Cross Station 
There was an execution place there. Tower of London, you know about. Uh, Oxford Street, there was executions. Uh, in fact, just about all over London. Outside all of the main prisons, they would assemble the uh, the thing for the hanging. We, we were better at hanging, I think, than anything else. Although we did do the hanging, drawing and quartering. So there was a British guillotine. Thank you for that. The Halifax Gibbet. Now, you know, actually, every, every crossroads out in the country had a gibbet, and that's where they used to hang people, mainly highwaymen, who were obviously a little bit dafter than we thought, because they didn't learn at all, I'm afraid. They just carried on doing their, uh, their robbing. Though I was watching a guy on the television the other day. I felt quite proud of him, really. And he was in, I think, Leicester, and he's got a jewellery shop. And it's a programme which is hosted by a bloke I've never heard of before, and a woman who I do like, but I can't remember her name at the moment. And they were showing you this man, and he's got a jewellery shop. And he said, you know, years ago, we never got robbed. He said, recently, people come in because they know that the gold that we're selling is purer than other gold. And so they make their money. So somebody came in with a sledgehammer. Well, he obviously had all these tricks up his sleeve. In the end, he chased them outside. One lot uh, sort of ran away like little girls, clutching their booty. And they didn't get very far. And he smashed the windows in of their car, which I thought was terribly brave of him. And then he, because he was thinking, what do I do? Do I go out there and do something or stand here and let them rob me? It's my stuff. It's my dad's stuff. We work for this. And he went out there. I've seen it before on the television. Where they've had shopkeepers who've magically produced a baseball pat. Uh, my favourite one, my favourite one was where somebody tried to rob a garage. And the guy behind the counter, he goes, you know, he holds up this, I think it was a baseball, whatever it was he was holding. Something, he was going to do the guy damage. And the guy just looks at him, pushes a button. The door locks automatically and a big shutter comes down in front of the cashier, so now the robber is marooned in the shop and he can't get out. Funniest thing ever. Police arrived, carted him off. I was cheering all the way. I love it when people like that. Little people fight back. About time. About time. Quarter to... Not only everybody, 10 to 6, Nick Ferrari and the team with you at 7 this morning. Mark Dolan will be looking at the newspapers. And uh, Jackie from Paddockwood went out and they had their, their lunch. And their secret Santa was Darius... They got Darius. Well, it used to be Darius Dinesh, but not anymore. Looking very good, and he spent time chatting to everybody. So that was nice, wasn't it? It's always a good thing to have, isn't it? When you get Darius along to something, very nice. Weather for today, in case you've just woken up, outbreaks of rain persisting to the south and southeast of London. Drier elsewhere, mainly cloudy, with a few bright spells. Wet again this afternoon. Seven centigrade. Don't bother getting the car washed. There's no point. Tonight, overcast. Outbreaks of rain again. This is obviously going to be the Christmas weather, isn't it? Misty overnight with some patchy fog possible. Tomorrow, dry start but dull in many areas. Some bright spells may develop before the cloud and the outbreaks of rain spread east. Very wet. And for the further three-day outlook, here we go for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Unsettled showers, longer spells of rain, occasionally heavy. It will be generally windy, sometimes very windy, which will make it feel a lot colder. So there you go. That's the, it doesn't look at all promising, does it? Might as well stay in today. But they, they've, they've said if you want to survive Christmas, you really need to do a, a wish list. For example, don't go out. That is the, that's the hard and fast. As far as I'm concerned, it's different if you're young and you want to go out. But if you're a person of a certain age, if you're over the age of 30, it's not for you. It's for young people. You have to stay in. You stay in because town centres are noisy, people are sick, there's drunks wandering into the road, there's people who want to rob you, it's terrible, there's fireworks, it's just very noisy, you've got to pay to go into places. One of our pubs, somebody was telling me the other day, they charge you now to go into pubs on New Year's Eve. One of our pubs, 30 quid they're charging you to go in there. 30 quid? I'd rather stay at home. Why on earth would you want to go out to a pub that charges you money? So you've given them all this, this, you know, your bonhomie all year, and you go, you know, I've been a good customer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as we heard earlier on, if you spend £40,000 a year, 
in Liberties, then they give you also they give you a seven hundred pound hamper. Six oh two for spending forty thousand pounds. I'd want a bit more than that. In fact, I'd want a lot more than that. So the advice is, if you want to survive Christmas, and also nobody's got any money. Remember, it's a six week month. You get paid, I think we, well, what's the date today? The date today is the 17th. I think we actually get paid probably Friday. Might be Friday this week. Could be, I'm not too sure actually. We might get paid Friday this week. In which case, then we don't get paid again till January. I like the paying bit before Christmas. It kind of eases the burden, doesn't it? When you, when you look at all the, uh, the things that are going out and people are going, oh, I've spent a fortune, I've got a kid's present, I've got to get that present and this present. And you start thinking to yourself, wow, we need some more money coming in. We need some more money coming in pretty smartish. Uh, 84850, Bob says, uh, I'm, I'm retired now, I'm glad, he said. We always got treble time back in the 70s, not just for me in engineering, also for my ex in nursing. She got double time and a day off in lieu. Yeah, we used to get this time off in lieu. You're quite, I've had loads of people, hundreds of people tell me this morning that they do exactly the same, that they used to get double time and then they give you a day off in lieu so you could just sort of tack it on. I think here you can buy days. If you've exhausted your holiday and you need some extra, you can buy it, apparently. Liz is off to Portugal tomorrow, presumably for the festive season. Christmas dinner alone with my son this year because my mother passed away recently. I remember one year when she uh, bought in Portugal what we thought was venison steak it had lots of pictures of forest creatures on the front, writing in Portuguese. It turned out it was a rabbit. You see, I can't eat rabbit. I don't like the look of it, I'm afraid. She said Mum hated rabbits, so ended up having a sandwich for Christmas lunch. Not this year. Taking the turkey with me. Are you allowed to do that? You're allowed to transfer meat between countries. In Florida, you can't take fruit in. It's amazing how many people, they have fruit with their, with their dinner on the flight going in, and you, you get an orange or an apple or a pear or something like that. And people put it in their bag, they'll have that later. You get off the plane and there's some, there's some mad dog whizzing round you trying to find out whether you've got any vegetables with you or fruit. And if you have, you get into dreadful trouble. There are big signs. You can't take any fruit into Florida or anything like that. They've got this spaniel. They've got quite a number of spaniels. It's the only place I've ever been to where customs are so bloody miserable. They really are the most miserable people you've ever encountered. You try and crack a joke with them and they don't want to know at all. In fact, if anything, if you start cracking jokes, they think you're suspect. I can remember once I was... There were two of us going through. Me and Amanda were going through. And I went through first. So I waited the other side. And security... He said, keep moving, sir. Keep moving, sir. Got to go. I said, I'm just waiting for her. Keep moving, sir. They're very, they're very pushy in airports in foreign parts. Be warned. Uh, so there was no SAS involvement, says Mark, in the killing of Lady Di. Strange how the police always find resources to investigate the most outlandish claims. I don't suppose it's linked to A, being a celebrity involved, or B, meaning they can go to other countries, C, stay in nice hotels and run up expenses. Yes, I mean, well, at least they've investigated it. I mean, between you, me and the gatepost, I never thought they were going to come back and say the SS were involved anyway. You just had a feeling, didn't you, that that's, that's, what, uh, that's the way things would, would sort of go. Uh, Dan, all this talk of wet and cold weather for this week and Christmas, we're going to Florida on Friday. 30 degrees, heat. So you know me, Dan, I hate things like that. I hate heat like that would just drive me crackers. But you're right, miserable here. A lot of pensioners go away for Christmas. I'm convinced that my audience drops a little bit over the festive season. It won't, of course, by Christmas morning because we, we shall maintain that spike of, uh, of all the new listeners we've got. So many new listeners, so many new people. Not just in London, they're all over the place. Uh, Howard says, how come you worked with your ex-producer 30 years ago when you're 37? <sighs> started young, started very young. I was pushed in in my pram by my mother. Pushed here, pushed here. 
And, uh, and that's how I say, yes, that's a difficult one to answer, isn't it, this morning, I'm afraid. Uh, and Andrew says, 30 quid to get into a pub. I'd rather spend 30 quid on drink and stay in. Sorted. Yes. Yes, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. you 30 pounds, you can go out to Iceland and you could get, well, you can go and get your booze, can't you? And then you can go and get all the nibbles. My favourite at the moment, Bombay Mix. <laughs> 84850 steve at uk. Uh, another one here and uh, this is this is from oh somebody else saying 30 are you sure 30 yes absolutely you go in some clubs in London it's more than that more than that Jones says I don't understand why if they're building the HS2 rail connection why not increase the Midland airport capacity that would save all those northerners time and travel <laughs> I agree with you I agree. I don't think it's going to be much cop, this railway thing, I'm afraid. Uh, as a paramedic, Steve, says this one here, I know the lengths people would go to to watch an accident, so I bet you could sell tickets to accidents and hangings. Yes. Uh, 84850, steve at Uh Don't forget uh, the A40 hangar lane, says June. Lots of executions there. It is, actually, it's amazing, actually, just how many places around London were sort of... Uh, were execution places. Uh, Angela says you can get a roast in Australia, but their traditional Christmas dinner is now seafood-based. They have predictions on television whether they'll run out on the run-up to the Christmas, because, of course, if you want fresh, you can't buy it until the last minute. Thank you, Angela. Very much indeed. Yes, it doesn't sound as exciting, does it, really, I'm afraid. Uh, Another one here. Um, I had the hog roast on Sunday. Didn't like it at all. It looks quite nice. I, qu- I quite like it. Uh, 84850, steve at And Lynn says, I went Christmas shopping with mum, popped into Mark's, two very friendly assistants helped mum, and then a lady, neither of us knew, handed us her 20% off ticket. Yeah, I got all of a sudden a collection of tickets that in- entitled me. I bought some stuff. What did I buy the other day? Oh, I bought some stuff in WH Smith, which I'm not prone to doing. And I got a discount ticket for the whole of this month, plus another thing that said, here's an extra 20% off. Because I went in to buy... Something from Clinton's a while ago. And I bought some candles. I had a little gift box of candles for Christmas, which I thought was quite nice. Little pillar candles. So I bought those, and she said, oh, if you buy this, then you can buy this this teddy for £9 or something, supposed to £20. So I bought that. She said, and now you get 20% off. And so I said, right. She said, and if you buy this pen, you get another 20% off. So I bought this pen, which I think for, was for a breast cancer charity. And before I knew what had happened, all these goods, which totaled up to about £40, I think I paid 15 quid for. So I bought another lot thinking this was actually quite... So I ended up with all these teddies and candles, which actually made great, great... Print. That was last year, so I can't, I can't wait to actually do it again this year. I've got to go into Kingston, so I shall, I shall be looking very carefully. Steve, when I worked in the city, the pub landlords used to give out raffle tickets to the regulars so they didn't get overcrowded. Yeah, I see, I don't mind raffle tickets being given out. If you're a regular, you don't want to pay to go into a pub, do you? Why would you want to pay to go into a pub? Anyway, News at Six is coming up next. It's LBC... 97.3. Oh, sales are a con, by the way. This is one of the other pieces to survive Christmas this year because they're, they're, they're all made up. You probably saw the Panorama programme the other day. How to know what is a genuine bargain. It's difficult, isn't it? And so because a lot of sales are on at the moment, are they genuine sales? Are they really genuine? Or is it items bought in? Do they have to tell you? All the answers after the news at six, which is next this morning on LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
is. Morning, everybody. As we head into uh, into Christmas, thank you, incidentally, for all the Christmas cards, which is uh, which is fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. We're sort of we're filling up the uh, we're filling up the windowsill upstairs with Christmas cards. We like to put them up there. So thank you very much indeed for that. I see that the Kardashians are as vulgar as ever in the papers. I mean, it doesn't get more trash than this. And Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are now having eyebrows raised, not theirs, incidentally, because they're so trailer trash, uh, on how much they're spending on their baby daughter. Prepare to be vulgarised, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the reality star mum, a file, foul piece of work, I'm afraid, and poor old Kanye West have shelled out on baby North for Christmas, so far, a million quid. A mil- on a baby. I mean, they are so pathetically stupid. One is uh, a doll. A diamond-studded doll. It's, um... It's cost them £570,000 for a baby. They are so thick. Uh, it comes with NW emblazoned on diamonds. They've also splashed out £3,500 on a regal pumpkin carriage crib. £30,000 on a Petite tresor, custom-made Enchanted Princess Castle bed. I tell you, they must laugh. It's like every time you see old uh, old Rooney's wife going in Colleen into the shops, and they go, oh, here she comes again. Oh, that looks lovely on you, darling. It really suits you, that item. And so she buys all this stuff from Cricket, which costs an arm and a leg. And she walks, she's got nowhere to wear it. Nobody, she's got nowhere to wear it at all, poor soul. <laughs> and so, consequently... She sort of, she buys, I think she just wanders around in the bedroom at home. Because he doesn't have any, uh, anything at all to wear. Every time he goes out, he just looks like he's sort of dressed like a sack of potatoes. But, uh, but the Kardashian's just vulgar. The, the little doll looks really, really tacky. Leona Lewis has done well, though. She's the first British female to notch up eight top five singles in the history of the UK charts. Her Christmas single, One More Sleep, charted at number three. That was behind Lily Allen and Avicii. I love Avicii. So, it's seven years since she won the third series of The X Factor. Seven Back then, when the show was worth watching. Now it's just a pile of old doggy-doos. It's just absolute rubbish, it really is. Nobody cares about it anymore. Half these people you will never, ever have heard of in a year's time. They'll all disappear. Even the, even the latest one, I'm afraid. Even the latest one. Uh, Sue Ann says, 15% off in Robert Dias happens three times a year. Well, everybody's doing sales at the moment. I think TK Maxx are practically giving stuff away. I think Gap have got a got a sale on. All they're doing, they're all trying to try and boost up some sort of income. Although, I don't know why they're complaining, because everywhere is heaving at the moment. The shops will be heaving today. You know, Oxford Street and Regent Street and Mayfair and everywhere. We were we parked up in town, as you know, to go to Winter Wonderland the other day, a little crowd of us. And um, all in radio, incidentally, which I thought was most unusual for me, because I don't normally hang around with anybody in radio at all. It's not my kind of thing. I'm, I'm in it, but I don't do it. You know, so you get radio anoraks. People go, oh, Santa, Santa, do that. I don't understand any of it. I have no idea. I just do it. We seem to do it quite well, judging by the audience figures. But anyway, so uh, everywhere's packed solid, and yet still they've got sales on. People buy anything, don't they? New uh, Christmas Eve is the worst time, where people rush out there. Men rush out. They've been at work, got to rush out, got to get something with the wife, got to get something with the wife. And as they see an attractive woman demonstrating, oh, I'll buy that. It's a gift set. How much? 60 quid, I'll buy that. I sort of buy bits and pieces over the uh, over the Christmas period, you know, from uh, from sort of up until, you know, I suppose, I don't know, probably beginning of next week. I mean, I've finished, really. So it doesn't make any difference. Somebody said, I heard a very good thing on the television the other day. Somebody was, I forget who said it, but it was one of my old lines, which is, if you've got kids for Christmas, and they're, to say, up to 
two years old or three years old, don't buy them any presents. That's a waste of money. You'd be an idiot to buy them presents. Just buy a box, wrap it up in paper. Pretty coloured, that's all they want, pretty coloured paper. All they do is they then sort of look at you and go, that's, that's for you. Whoa! And they just rip the paper open. They'd be quite, if they found a suite inside there, they'd be quite happy. You don't need to buy them all these dolls and train sets and clothes. You don't need to buy anything like that at all. Just wrap up some odd-shaped boxes. And little kids, up two to three years old, I reckon, three is probably cut-off point. And you just literally open the box, and all they want to do is rip paper off. I remember I was one year, they just ripped all the paper off and just left it. And I thought, what's the point of buying expensive presents? They don't appreciate it. You know, to buy a baby, a £570,000 doll, just shows amazingly, uh, you know, just a, a, a lack of restraint, I think. It's always people who've got lots of money. It's a bit like footballers, isn't it? I remember seeing a footballer's house that came up for sale, and it was so tacky inside, it would only do for a chavvy you know, wag and her naff old husband, because they were earning a lot of money. And it was full of Versace. The carpet was Versace, the curtains were Versace, the cushion covers were Versace, the ashtrays were Versace. Everything, it looks so vulgar. And as I say, it is just, I'm afraid. It's, it's for, the, for the lower classes. It's a bit like Burberry, which have tried desperately to rescue themselves. Oh, sorry. From where Danielle Westbrook took them. And she was pictured standing there looking like the naffest chav in the world with the baby carriage, the baby, her, everybody wearing Burberry. It just looked so awful. It was the only thing copied in the markets, wasn't it, for ages. Here's One Direction. Uh, it's so funny now because they're not the boy band that you always thought they were. They're now growing beards, which kind of takes away. They've got facial hair. And you think to yourself, you know, e- even the one who's very camp, he's also grown facial hair. Uh, the only one who hasn't is Harry, but I don't think Harry can. I don't think Harry's able to do it. And so they, they were singing their hits for sick, ch- for sick children. I'm tempted to do a joke about it, thinking they're probably even sicker now, I should imagine, after they sung their hits, because they're so auto-tuned on everything. And so they all turned up, because they have to do it, because all, all the groups do charity at this time of year. And so they went out there and they sung. But it's, just, it's a photo opportunity for them. And then they go back to have their own thing. I'm assuming that one goes back to Ireland... And Harry Styles goes, I don't know where he goes to, actually. I don't know where. Uh, Des says, Sam Bailey's a great singer and a nice person. I'm not a big fan of X Factor, but she's as good as any top star. Yeah, but she won't go anywhere. There's no market for that. She'll have an album out this year, and she'll go on the X Factor tour. And I'm I'm confidently predicting, probably... No, where can you put her? If, you know, if she goes into the charts, where are you going to... There isn't... There's no Top of the Pops anymore. There's none of these programmes. She might better do Paul O'Grady's show, and a few old ladies will probably buy it. But, I mean, I, I just don't see a career unless she takes a job doing Seaside or Pontins or Butlins or something like that, or cruise ships. I don't actually see any... You know, she's never going to make a fortune. The only people who are going to make a fortune out of her are Psycho, the company that own her, you know, for as long as they as they choose, for as long as she sells albums. The day she doesn't sell albums... It's the day she's out the window. I'm afraid, as I said before, the path to fame and fortune is littered with people. All these people that you see in all the magazines, how many of them? You can count them now, can't you? On your hands and your feet. How many have declared themselves bankrupt? Three quarters of blue are bankrupt. You know, doing the big I am and doing the, oh, yeah, I've got this and I've got... They've got nothing. Nothing at all. No careers. Washed up completely. Washed up because what have they done? They've wasted their money. Nobody ever told them because they were too stupid on how you have to save your money. Because if you're in that kind of business, you know, Sam Bailey, she's a prison officer, I think. Well, she needs to keep that in hand because it's, it's, it's just the kind of stuff that is, you know, it's not going to last. You know that James Arthur's career is not going to, is not going to go any further. He's literally burnt all his bridges. Louis Walsh said so the other day. 
he said, I don't care about him anymore. He said he slagged off all these groups like One Direction and everything else. And that's why it's, it's all a bit tragic. You know, you've got to learn in the business how to play it. There is a way of doing it and there is a way of, of not doing it. And unfortunately, you know, he's, he's done it badly. He's done it really badly and he's screwed up his career. So it's great. Sam Bailey might be a lovely person. The public aren't interested in lovely people. They, they really couldn't care less whether she's a great singer or a nice, genuine person. Even bad singers can be made to sound good. Look at that poor Sam Callahan. We heard it from the horse's mouth. Louis Walsh, who's put more boy bands through than anybody else. He said to him, you know, because the judges were saying, you know, unfortunately, you can't sing. Tone deaf he is. And Louis said, it doesn't matter, we'll deal with that later. I thought, because it doesn't matter whether you can sing now. They're selling an image, and Sam Bailey, very sweet. Already she's in the papers, they've had to start tarting her up and sort of make... I agree, she's got a great voice and she might be a lovely person. But unfortunately the business doesn't want people like that. They want the bad boys, they want the One Direction to try and be slightly edgy. They're looking for that. They have, they have tried to sort of make Union J into something less than a fairly camp little boy band. But unfortunately at the moment it's not, not kind of working. So where they go from there... I don't know. You can, you know, you can be photographed in the papers and jump up and down. Whether you make any money, I don't know. Blue quite clearly made nothing at all. Because they didn't write anything. And as Sharon Osbourne said the other day, she's horrified that Sam Bailey um, is, is doing an album of covers. And I said, but you must have known that, Sharon, because that's what they do. They're not bringing out anything else apart from covers. That's, they're not going to write any new songs, I'm afraid. They're only going to do covers. And if you don't do covers, you're going to go the way of Steve Brookstein. He's going to drop you like a ton of bricks. So she will do it. And she'll have an album which will chart, and she'll probably do very well. But it'll be all those naff covers. You don't think Susan Boyle's going to be allowed to sing anything original, do you? They're not going to risk that one. Quarter past six. Morning, every 18 minutes past six is the time. Don't forget, if you've just... I hate to mention this again, I'm afraid, but you might have just woken up. I mean, if you have, you're a little bit remiss because we've been here since four o'clock this morning. It's festive cheer on the LBC Gadget giveaway. I guarantee delivery by December the 25th. Christopher Saker from Dollis Hill. Well done, Christopher. He got himself the new iPad mini with the retina recognition yesterday. And today, it's your chance to get your hands on a Samsung Chromebook laptop. Check it out. Have a look at it online. It's very nice indeed. Portable computer, automatic security, software updates and 100 gig of free cloud storage, making it the perfect on-the-go computing desirable item. So you could be unwrapping it come Christmas morning because I'm guaranteeing Christmas delivery. I'm guaranteeing you will get it uh, by December the 25th. How I'm doing this, I've got no idea, but I'm happily saying it every day. I've just got this feeling I'm going to get the car out and be driving around with these things. You got the mince pies? Take them out. Okay. I need to ask you twice, do we? Um, based on the historic... This is a question, incidentally. Based on the historic Greek bishop, who had a reputation for secret gift-giving? Santa Claus is also known as Saint... What? Santa Claus is known as Saint... What? I'll take an abbreviation. Text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer, and you send it to 84850. Got to get here before 7 o'clock this morning. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Somebody said, I've been reading Katie Price's tweets and she's accused Pete of not seeing Harvey for a year, says Joe. Perhaps he's not as nice as he seems. Not his son. Why should he bother? It's not his son. You know, put this way, he, he doesn't have the facility to look after him. He needs special care. So, I mean, she's just being vile. 
It's not his son. It's uh, it's somebody else's. Why should why do you, you know? I don't go round to see somebody else's children. Why should he go round to see somebody else's child? It was there. You know, he was there when he was there. I mean, that's just her being vile. So I, I wouldn't worry about that, Joe, at all. Not a nice person. She is really not nice at all. But uh, they, they are dysfunctional. They are completely dis- just so grateful they're not in your life as well. So there you go. Somebody says. Um, Sam, Sam is, uh, is a nice person, and she could get to, to number one. Yeah, she absolutely might. I didn't, I'm not disputing that at all. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that this time next year, we'll not be talking about her. Because by this time next year, there'll be another Britain's Got Talent, and we'll be into another X Factor. So it moves on. You know, and once these people have sold for this Christmas and they've done the tour, let's face it, they start selling the tour before they've even told you who's on the show. The shows, you know, and people go along to watch a bunch of third-rate singers, and I believe you me, they are third-rate singers. That's why half of them. I mean, Sam Callahan gets as far as he did in the show, can't sing for Toffee. Cannot sing for Toffee. The little Scottish bloke. I mean, you can lose him on a stage. The funny little boy with the dreadlocks who came third, and Louis Walsh says to him, you're going to be a big star. No, he's not. This time next year, you won't have heard of him. He'll be out there scrubbing pots and pans and say, do you want fries with that? That's as far as it gets. All these other people, they put through loads of them. Loads of them. Or you all sit there and you listen to the drearies. And you think, oh, God, you don't sit. And you've seen it. That's what makes the programme, isn't it? That's why you watch the programme. So that somebody comes on and goes, you know, I'd, I'd like to sing. A whole new world. And they go, you can't sing. It's my dream. And you go, you can't sing. You know, go and have another dream. Go and be a road sweeper. Go and play on the motorway. Go and do something. But you can't sing. I want to be famous. I want to be... And then they start throwing things about. And they film that and show it because that pads out an otherwise dreary programme. But you watch it. Unfortunately, not as many as watching the dancing. And they are hemorrhaging audience. And it needs Simon Cowell to come back and, you know, stick his six-penneth on there. You know, I don't want to see another Nicole shirt. I'm not interested in, in some sort of bird from, a, from America telling us about, you know, a business which she fell out of ages ago. You know, the Pussycat Dolls were nothing short of naff, I'm afraid. Small wonder that to perform in the Viper Club over in America. Best place for them. Place where River Phoenix ended his life. And you look at them and you think, but we'll have this again next year. Britain's Got Talent. It's supposed to be a talent show. Again, it'll be another bunch of no-hoper singers. And we'll sit there and laugh at them. I'm surprised nobody's ever sued, actually, through putting these remedial people on the television and ruining their life. Look at that really big fat family we had to put up with. The Chaucers or somewhere, whatever they were. They couldn't sing. These two ugly girls who came on stage, foul-mouthed, threw things about. They couldn't sing. And then, and then somebody gives them a reality show. Oh, dear me, honestly. That's why it's going to be... Sa- that's why my heart dropped when I reported earlier on. And I'll, I'll do it in the free podcast for you that um, Kerry Coke-Toner has said that she's got lots of plans for next year. I'm hoping emigration or journey to the centre of the earth, or at least a rocket to the moon one way. We really don't want to be putting up with this stupid woman anymore. You know, let's have some people who at least have got some talent. Sam Bailey, lovely at the moment. Prison officer, it's great. But that's as far as it's going to go. I bet you anything, I'll put 100 quid on it, easy peasy. This time next year, we'll be looking at a complete bunch of new people. And they'll be going, oh, this person... And you think, but where were they last year? And the answer is, they've all been in for these... Sam Bailey's been for this competition before. Did it a few years ago. They've all done it before. They've done it loads of times. They've just come back and reinvent themselves. And we all sit there and go, oh, they're good, aren't they? I couldn't care less. Absolutely couldn't care less. The only person who's trousering everything is Simon Cowell. He, he makes about £8.5 million a year just through his programmes. Wouldn't like to imagine how much Psycho makes him. Anton Deck get £5 million a year each. Gary Lineker, God knows why, £2 million a year. And Graham Norton, £1.8 million. But he's worth every penny. 
He does a chat show to end all chat shows. He gets some really, some really good guests on there. Great lineup, interesting conversation. It's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, Christmas, the time to eat, drink, and be merry. Merry, and it means that you go out there and people get very drunk at parties. We we see the fallout in Leicester Square. We see we see the fallout on a regular basis. I'm afraid uh, for people who can't handle their drink, and I think the club should be to blame. I think, you know, if you see somebody drunk in a club, then you don't serve them any more alcohol. But they seem to carry on serving them. And then, you know, fights break out and oh, dreadful things like that. Uh, <coughs> 84850, uk. Uh, back in uh, 1988, uh, a bunch of us were going to meet up in a pub in Oxford Street. Didn't know there were any pubs in Oxford Street. I stopped off for a quick pint in the Duke on Green Street. Never left. My buddies couldn't get into a single pub in London. Got the tube home, sober and miserable, and walked past while we were locked in. And no, Shirley didn't let them join us. There you go. Actually, I don't... This is... We were talking earlier on about how much pubs are charging you to get in. And, um... And I said around our way, one of them is charging 30 quid. And Paul says 30 quid is the norm... For most places. I actually know from a friend who works there that at least one pub off a certain well-known street in Manchesterford is asking 60 and £75 for New Year's Eve. And they're wondering why nobody's booked. Contrast that with our local boozer. They, by way of a thank you to their loyal customers, have a free raffle giving away a £500 food and drink hamper. If I were going out, I know who I'd be giving my custom to. Yes, me too. Especially, especially, especially if it's a pub that you've frequented throughout the year. Absolutely. Oh, incidentally, we have done, Charlie, thank you very much indeed, the uh, the news article about the woman who nearly fell from the fairground ride. This after we went to Winter Wonderland, and we went on a few rides, and I have to be honest, I, I was a bit scared on the roller coaster. And the indoor roller coaster's a bit scary too. They seem to have speeded up all the rides. They've got faster and faster and faster. Literally, you've got uh, 32 minutes to get your entries in for the competition. I sincerely hope it's uh, it's your name that I'm going to be reading out uh, at uh, about this time tomorrow morning. I should be saying well done to whoever is the winner of the Google Chrome laptop after Christopher Saker got it yesterday and did very, very well. So let's hope it's your name that we read out. There will be a free podcast for you up. What's the out time? A free podcast for you up on the uh, on the app, I think, a little bit later on. So we'll have that up for you before seven o'clock. And then uh, also we'll be doing uh, the rest of the programme will be podcast for you there as well. If you don't know anything about podcasting and you're curious to know how you can listen to the programme again, as thousands and thousands upon thousands of you download this show every day. Uh, I'm delighted to say that, again, we are the top downloaded programme. Oh, barring one, there was one other programme at the station that just overtook us on one, but it's, it's a feature as opposed to an actual programme. But we get the biggest downloads of this programme. So go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. There you can enjoy the photos on my page of my adventures at Angels, the, uh, the costumier. I still think it's a great set of pictures. I think Adrian took a really good set of pictures, actually. I think it looked quite good in some of them. They were taken a few years ago now, but we still remember the day... As if it was yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. As if it were yesterday. So, uh, thank you very much indeed for all the cards. Thank you for all your texts and emails. I'm glad that we uh, featured everything on the programme this morning. Do it again tomorrow morning from four. But do go to the LBC website. Then you can check out all the things that are happening. I think very shortly the Christmas schedule will be published so you know exactly what's going to be on. We've got special in-conversations. And we'll have a special 
New Year's in conversation as well, which we've uh, already put together. The producer, Michael's put that together. And that'll be going out. So there's going to be no shortage of me over the festive season, including Christmas Day between 7 and 10 and New Year's Day between 7 and 10. So have a great day. Nick and the team with you at 7. A lot to talk about this morning, including that peer and his £300 a day. I'm back with you tomorrow. I'm Steve Allen. Next, the morning news with Lisa Razzi.